The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. now recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and abe is uh, not here but he might pop in we'll see what happens out now is a film podcast where abe and i discuss new movies weekly we dig into movies be a most spoiler for your review uh the occasional commentary track is something different and this is something we different this is our uh, commentary track for april 2023 we're wrapping up our i love la subset of commentary tracks we started off in january with uh john carpenter's assault on precinct 13 then we met it and headed into uh, beverly hills cop then we sat in some rush hour and now we are concluding with Michael Mann's Collateral, 2004's Collateral. Yeah, that's what we're going to do for this week, this month's commentary track. And joining me to discuss Collateral, we have from Wise to Blue and host of the Brandon Peters Show. He just hit a South Central deer. It's Brandon Peters. Hello. Joining us right here now from the rap. He's looking to take a trip away from his troubles on island limos. It's Scott Mendelson. Uh, always a pleasure. Also joining us from the Milky Way Blues. He knows everything there is to know about Miles Davis. It's Yancey Burns. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing this evening? Doing good. Good. Ready Glad to, to collaborate on the collateral with y'all. That uh, Naptown rap talent's kicking in again. Yes. I, I'm glad to have you guys here. Looking forward to talking about all about collateral. This should be fun. <laughs> okay. Um, so what we're going to do here is talk about the movie Collateral. We all have it currently paused at five seconds in. So if you plan to follow along with us, uh, boot up your copy of Collateral, which is available on DVD, Blu-ray, and 4k positive five seconds and on the sound of go press play and you can listen to us talking all about the collateral if you're just listening to listen you're good you just do your thing do what you want to do um yeah so you guys ready yep. One, yes we are two five three so three okay three two one collateral okay i can't recall if there was another like dreamworks opening that had like they messed with the title the black and white yeah they went with this like Maybe Gladiator? Does Gladiator do something? That would not surprise me. Um, From the studio that will bring you Madagascar. Where they went with this cool steely gray-blue thing, which is like, eh, that's fun. There's like wow. a, so when it's when it's like not Warner Brothers or like Disney, it's like, oh, that stands out because I never see them do anything else. Well, Aaron, I can answer this for you. Yeah? There have been weird things. So, it. Uh, completed logo for so there's a lot of variants here there's some variants here uh the, the gladiator one you're correct it's sepia tone but here comes jason statham yeah, <laughs> we want to we want to point out that let's point let's point this out right away since he's only in here for the three seconds that he's in this movie but like seeing this we'll talk about where we saw this movie but it's like seeing this in 2004 where jason statham's still like pretty much at his hottest right he's like emerging as like a new action star it's oh, yeah, really cool to be like the... the transporter just walked into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and from what I gather, he's playing the transporter. Yeah, that's like they yeah. kind of just agree on it. They don't. It's not like official. Like in any way, beans beyond. They asked the director. They said, "Yeah, that's fine." Um, but it's like a neat <laughs> thing to be like the transporter just stopped by. That's cool. 
He was, and everybody liked him in the Guy Ritchie movies. That was kind of like the, yeah. yeah. Between the Lock, Stock, and Snatch, and then in like 2002, he gets Transporter. Transporter, and, yeah. So he's just popping up and things. Like, he's what, Ghost of Mars, which everyone saw and raced out to see. It was mm. a huge hit. Um, mm. <laughs> but, um, so are we going for non-animation movie variants on the DreamWorks logo? Or... Yeah, no, they okay. the, yeah, yeah. All right, so Deep Impact has uh, stars in the sky. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, Minority Report. Yeah. Uh, Take place oh, yeah, that's un- that. underwater yeah. scenery. The yeah, ring, okay. the ring has tinted uh, a, a different tint to it. Then it has a VHS effect added to it. Uh, Cat in the Hat has an animated DreamWorks logo that looks like Dr. Seuss. Collateral is black and white. Lemony Snicket's does some crap to it. Uh, just like Heaven, the camera pans down from the clouds. The Island has a way different DreamWorks logo. Uh, flags of our fathers is black and white, just like collateral. Sweeney Todd. Okay, so we're going we're going way ahead in time now. Like so, so there's plenty of them. Sweeney Todd, uh, Kite Runner, Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, Fright Night, Need for Speed, Bridge of Spies, Girl on a Train, The Post, and The Turning, Ghost in the Shell, and 1917 all have variations of the DreamWorks logo in live action. All right, cool. You guys are welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the information. Um, so let's talk about Collateral. Let's talk about this movie. Um, here's Debbie Mazur's random cameo in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's that other guy's name? It's the guy that's like not Jamie Kennedy. The guy's somebody, yeah. Yeah, he's like, here's a lot of things. <laughs> um, Snarky McJerk face, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's like we, yeah. Um, this movie came out in 2004. Scott, when did you see Collateral? Uh, opening weekend, probably opening morning. Uh, Friday morning. Yeah. Um saw it in theaters with a friend, liked it a lot. Um yeah, it came, you know, the reviews were already very positive. Um and there was a lot of talk about how this was a very early film that used digital video in an interesting way, without unlike, you know, something like all due respect, public enemies, did not look like a straight to DVD horror picture. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. How about you? When did you see Collateral? <clears throat> oh, certainly. I'm sure the first weekend, probably. I remember going to see it in Santa Monica. Um, yeah, exactly what Scott said. Of course, I the reviews were good. I was interested to see the 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 acclaimed use of of of, of the HD camera. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I you know I, my, I in the spirit of holding two thoughts at once, I would say this is probably the best one of the best movies of, of its summer, but I don't think it's one of the best uh, Michael Mann movies. We'll get back to that. Brand W. Uh, DVD. I did, uh, didn't get to it then. I was a college student at the time, so. You hated Jamie Foxx. So you're just like, huh? oh, I was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, actually, I actually liked him better in this than I did Ray. So. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was pushing for, I wanted him to win that. Uh, I was pushing for him for that award um for best supporting actor that year i actually liked a lot of those performances but his was my favorite of those guys um up for it and that's where i was wanting his win more than uh best actor but uh yeah so i didn't get to it to dvd um as sd video should be seen right Um, (laughs) but yeah so and it was a really cool movie uh like the big hook was Watch Tom Cruise play this really 
awful human hitman guy, and I was in. Wait, this is SD video. I thought this was HD. It was digital camera at the time. It was D. Uh, it was SD. Really? And that's why it's a kind of a weird upconvert and stuff. So, and because you can't get too highly detailed, but the 4K uh, disc for it um, really impressive because it, it they definitely went and took some time and um, getting these scenes up converted ready for uh, format jump. But I'm pretty yeah, sure that, it was but, an SD camera. That made me happy because I, I was like, "How do you do this in 4K?" And I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> they pulled it off." Um, the Inland Empire, I'm sure they can do. Well, that's not 4K. Inland, still- yeah, yeah. They they restored it in 4K, but they presented it on a standard Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. 2004. I think Jimmy Fox was the real story here. I, I was amazed. I think he, this and Ray, he was phenomenal. I, I didn't take him. I didn't know him. But I thought he was like a. I just knew him from that character he did on In Living Color, where he played a woman and kind of screwed up his face. I thought he was like another Chris Kattan or somebody. Shanae. This year, I'm like, holy cow, two great performances. You know, he's oh, the yeah. best movie I think. From booty call to this, like it's crazy. Like, yeah, he's so good at this and so instantly believable as this what? character. Not a single drop of vanity. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's I very. Great. He's good in Ali. Yeah. I mean, he's he was building to this like if you were watching him but like it's crazy because he has that like another in living color castmate like jim carrey like the outrageous super silly guy turns into this you know can do these dramatic roles like because jim carrey's characters on uh yeah. in living color were crazy and his first movie is like ace ventura and dumb and dumber where he's playing idiots and his is booty call where he plays an idiot and they kind of have a they kind of have similar paths to where they're yeah. trying to head. That's the thing. Like I, I grew up with both these guys. I watched Living Color, and it's mm-hmm. like I'm not gonna say like it, you know I always saw this coming, but it's sort of like it didn't surprise me. It's like oh good, Jamie Foxx stepping up to do things similar to like Jim Carrey, who's already done like Truman Show and Men on the Moon at that point. So like it's neat, neat seeing Jamie Foxx go from like pure comedian to oh yeah, he's mm-hmm. doing this thing also. So correction hard for Jim Carrey even this part. This is a this really requires dimming 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 of one's movie stardom. Mm-hmm. It's really impressive. So I have a correction. The answer you correct it was shot in HD, but it was mastered in a 2K digital intermediate. So they dumb, okay. they shot it in HD, dumbed it down to 2K, and that's what the final product has. Why did they do that? <laughs> yeah, they do that a lot. Well, I mean, there's a lot of movies. Uh, in the recent years that were shot in 4K and then mastered in HD too. So it's just mm-hmm. a weird process they've done. But so yes, you were correct. It was shot in HD and then it was mastered in 2K. So there you have it. So I saw this movie opening weekend, but I want to back up because this movie, it, it's one of the first movies I like remember falling from like when it was first announced to like when it actually came out as far as like just hearing about this story like this concept and like tracking like where it was going. Uh, like I'd you know, I'd follow movies or whatnot, but like from like hearing like this thing exists to now it's out in theaters and I'm going to see what it looks like. And I, I remember the very early on days where there was just this idea um, that I didn't know about like when the Russell Crowe aspect of it was there, but when, it was like, Russell Crowe and Adam Sandler. Yeah, it was, it was oh, Russell. Really? It was Russell Crowe for a while. He Sandler is on after Crow leaves. It's very close to each other. Like, 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 yeah, it was Crow for sure was involved. He leaves. Cruz comes on. Man wants Adam Sandler. Like, like that. That's like the the weird time of this thing. But like, backing up even further, like it's the story Stuart Beatty writes. Stuart Beatty has 
like a couple Australian films, and he has a story credit on Pirates, the first Pirates movie. And the director of I, Frankenstein. <laughs> Eventually, oh, he goes on to direct I, Frankenstein. He goes on to do a lot of crap, but like before that, he has like this. <laughs> <laughs> he gets this idea, like, because he's in a cab. He has this guy's idea. He shares with with a producer, the producer on this movie, who shares it with Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont's like, cool, let me give it to my buddy Chuck Russell, who heads up like Edge City Production Company. Like, we'll make an HBO, you know, cheap movie out of this. HBO's like, no, we don't want it. DreamWorks buys it. They sit on it for like a few years. Um, and then it finally gets picked. Like, they start working on it. Mimi Leader is in- involved um, to possibly direct. Janice Kaminsky is apparently like considered to direct. Before and- Lost Souls. <laughs> and, uh, and and uh, Fernando Marais coming off of City of God, he's like announced like he possibly could direct. He doesn't want to move away from his home to uh, you know L.A. for eight months, so he got drops out of it. Michael Mann gets on there. Russell Crowe leaves um, to do something called Eucalyptus with Nicole Kidman. That uh, that doesn't happen, but that's like what he left for. Like it's conflicted with the schedule for whatever that movie's going to be. I'm very curious what that was going to be, but that's what it is. Not Australia, something tells me. I mean, yeah, and then. I guess Nicole Kidman's like, fuck that. I'm going with Baz Luhrmann. We'll do our own Australia movie. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nicole Kidman just had Australia fever. She's like, she had to do something to Australia. Uh, Cruz comes on. Sandler gets attached. Then he's filmed, like, the thing's moving too slowly, so Spanglish gets conflicted, so Adam Sandler has to drop out. I'm I'm always curious if it's because Spanglish or because he just didn't feel like he was up to it. I don't know. I don't don't know if the the deal was there. But, um... Yeah, Spanglish got in the way is the official story as far as Sandler not being true. Sandler but that's could what I do this. Like, I could, he could, yeah. Perfect, I, yeah. Like, yeah. And this is 2004. It's after I've seen him in Punch Drug Love. And that's what I think it's 2002 when I heard about this movie. And I can, like, Sandler started getting attached. This is like, he plays a guy, drives a cab, and there's a hitman that's like, he has to drive around. That's neat. I'm into that. Um, he leaves. Jan- Jamie Foxx gets on because Michael Mann's worked with him on Ali. So he's like, yeah, we can make this work. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, we, I'll go into other people that were considered, but yeah, that's the main thing. Like, yeah, it was the Sandler Tom Cruise thing for a bit. That that's like the famous thing that could have happened. What if? And then it turns to Jamie Fox. The thing um, that's impressive with Fox here is like he's a guy that physically, like, you could if you saw him and Cruise next together, you'd be like, Cruise don't stand a chance. But he's able to play this character in such a way you buy that. Ooh, I'm weary about him taking on this Tom Cruise guy. Like, I feel like physicality wise, Jamie Foxx can be imposing, but he shows such range with this role that he like, you don't even think for a second, this guy could take Tom Cruise. Plus Tom Cruise is really intense here too. Um, They're both doing it quite well, but like, it's weird to think of, this is like one of his most like, I don't know. um, I don't know. Flimsy or like characters and stuff that like, isn't, harder dominant well, it's, yeah he's subdued his, he's he's low he's yeah. playing he's underplaying it you know he's all he was before wrong that makes sense but yeah that's not all he was this but no all he was before this right so he's been in three michael yeah. man movies yeah yeah this one yeah, yeah. Right. So I, I did notice him in ali certainly but still i wasn't prepared for how good he is in this i mean mm-hmm. i don't think any of those guys you mentioned i don't think sandler could have he plays it. If this was the first time you ever saw Jamie Foxx, you would think Jamie Foxx was just some guy, you know, like he really just, you know, in the Hitchcockian nature of this thing, he just works so well as the everyman. You root for yeah. him so much. Data, data Pickett Smith, I suppose, was at the time already. Um, you root for him so much in that. I think that, that not, not every actor would you root for, you know? 
There he is. Yeah, I agree. And that, yeah, and like you get this nice chunk of ten minutes of time where you spend with Jamie Foxx. You just really just you're you're with his character. You get it. You're like, why is Jada why is Jada Pinkett in here? I'm sure she won't come up again in the movie. Um, well, you could be Debbie, funny uh, Debbie Mazar. Why is she in here? Jason, right? Jason Statham was not coming back either. Yeah, it's such a strong standalone character scene that it almost works as a twist when she shows up at the end. Yeah, because she has character enough to do to justify her being there. It's character building, and that's yeah. the job. Yeah, if you're Just paying, although there's a huge hint that you know, <laughs> yeah. if you're if you're paying enough attention, you could reason that it's gonna yeah. have to lead back to her. But yeah, yeah it it plays it well, so it's not it's not a giant contri- contrivance. If anything, yeah. he's coming. He's he just dropped her off at the same building he's coming out of, so it makes a lot of sense that they'd be that it's not just pure coincidence. It's like no, we just happened to follow this character. Um, yeah, she's the uh, Jade Pink is the Mitch Ryan of this film. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Gross point blank. Um, <laughs> Boy, there are certainly a lot of movies that look like this after this movie, but oh, yeah. the way they don't this, do it, it was really striking yeah. at the time. It looks always, like El Night in a way that no movie ever really had I before. I mean, Nightcrawler is probably the best that does this. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, you, if you're working with a filmmaker that's good enough and has the time and money to like make deliberate choices with this format, Obviously, it's going to be night and day from someone that's just they're shooting on video because it's cheap and in some ways easier. Well, he's a fincher. He's a fincher. He figures out the technology. Like not. I mean, just because digital is easier doesn't mean you're an artist all of a sudden. You have to figure out the format. When was the digital decided? Was it his when he came on board or was it? Do we know? Well, Lucas was pushing for it for this film. For, for, film. Oh, oh, I'm for sorry. this movie, it's definitely I'm man. Sorry. That's his. That's his choice. And even yeah. and and even like they fi- he fired a cinematographer. Um, be the one that was on before this one because uh, it's Dion Beebe. He does the cinematography here, but like it's uh, who is it? Where did I have it? Paul Cameron was the cinematographer, and he left because of which I have to assume I have to do with experimenting with this format, which is something you that's want to shoot new. this film on film. You're fired. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I mean, as far yeah, Lucas pushing it. Rodriguez, I think, is also yeah. like he he yeah. knew what he was doing with yeah. This. Right. Like, once upon a time in Hollywood, or er, haha. In Mexico, once upon a time in Mexico was the first time I was like, oh okay, I get it now. Yeah, because it looked good. Where yeah, movie, regardless yeah, of how yeah. much you like Attack of the Clones, my my issue with that movie is I don't think it looks very good. I agree. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, it's it's. I actually made a point to see it in digital on opening weekend after the midnight screen to see if it looked any better. Well, I mean, it did, but well, not right and dead. He, he's yeah. doing a digital film with digital effects at the same time. He's doing a bigger load here. Trying yeah, to everything. Yeah, there's, there's growing pains. I get that, but I mean, it's the final yeah. product. The final product is like well, it didn't look very good to me. <laughs> like I, you know, you got you got better, obviously. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, Revenge of the Sith immediately. You're like, oh crap. Yeah, it's a, it out. Took one film and then he got it here. But yeah, but Rodriguez is a guy who, you know, between Sin City. Mexico, and then obviously, you know, the kids' films he does, like, there are choices he's making in those films that all, like, they represent the format well, like, it's something, and then, yeah, seeing this, obviously, where it's not just the aesthetic, but, like, look, like, look at these shots, there's, like, these intense close-ups and everything, where you can really just see the detail, and, like, man's been wanting to do that, right? He's always been experimenting with, with camera stuff, like, the well, and then there's like Fincher, who like looks like no format change ever happened when you watch his yeah. movies, yeah, yeah, right, like, there's a brilliance to that. Like the, what what makes it stand out is just his angles. Like that's how it's like. Well, that's obviously not like a film. That can't be a film camera. <laughs> like at that point, the way he's doing things, um, man stuff. It's like because you know, especially because he loves shooting L.A. so much. Like 
you can look at like heat and feel like man, if man could remake heat again, he would do it just so we could shoot it digitally so we can get clear night shots. Yeah. Like, yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. Well, I, so I'll tell you amazing. what, the night shots are what like really impressed because I'm like, you know, it's one thing to watch this, but like having lived out in, you know, LA and stuff, it's like, wow, he really nailed that feeling of that. Lo- I mean, that look at grand natural light and stuff like that, but it really, this movie captures it well of walking these streets at night. Definitely. I keep misremembering that this movie wasn't nominated for Best Cinematography, which is surprising to me. <laughs> no, got, it was only what, editing and It's box, editing right? and supporting, yeah. And they were pushing for Cruise, too, weren't they? I so pushed, was... They pushed in all the categories. I mean, not as yeah. hard as some other things. I so, could be mistaken, but I think there was a little reluctance at first to, you know, a reluctance sure, yeah. to, uh-oh, this <laughs> is shot on digital. Because I know it was a big deal when Slumdog Millionaire, which was shot on digital, won Best Picture just four years later. Um, I get the apprehension. I just, yeah, I can right. still, I, I can, I can I still see it happening. Is all I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What now? I'm curious. What did get nominated that year? For cinematography, the Aviator for sure. Because that's I've got it right Asian here. Richardson. It's um five. Where is it? Okay, the Aviator, House of Flying Daggers, Passion of the Christ, oh. Phantom of the Opera, and a very long engagement. I assume Aviator one. Four out of five ain't bad. Eight Aviator one. House of Flying Daggers. That's an amazing yeah, that's, Oh that's, my god, yeah. that's a that's, great. Honestly, that's great, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I joke, but I mean, the fan of the opera looks great. Yeah, it looks great. That's sure. not the issue. Yeah, that's not the. That's not the problem. But the, it looks great for sure. Yeah, those are five strong nominees. Yeah, especially yeah. if it's yeah. the political element to it. I can understand that not happening. I like how cozy Jamie Foxx is when he's like. He gets is his sandwich out, mode? and he's got all these limos. He's looking at everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the body just completely destroys his day. <laughs> also, that just—I love that it's just like we just drop a camera on the car. We'll do like that. That's how we'll shoot this. So let's talk about Cruise a bit. Um, Silver Fox in this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. this was back at a time, the end of that time, arguably, where he was so assured in his stardom and his banking his bankability and his drawing power that he didn't feel the need to necessarily run through the generic i'm still a movie star motions right now, this is the only this is the kind of role he takes after he's kicking ass with stuff like the last samurai and mission impossible 2 and etc 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 um and this and Vanilla Sky also, they were again, you know, the broken record. Whenever we talk about Tom Cruise, was that you know, he was a huge star without having to just make action movies all the time. And yes, this is kind of an action movie, and we can debate to what extent, you know, whatever. So, you it's, know, it was, it was not, sold as one, probably. It's, it's innovative, though. That's the yeah. that's the key. It's not just. It's, it's more a hitch. You know, it's it's more thriller. Thriller. North it's by Northwest Hitchcock than yeah. you know for yeah, Russian with love. Yeah, it. I mean, um. Coen Brothers could make this movie like that's yes. that wheelhouse of that type of thing. And speaking of which, see, we eventually De Palma, see a De Palma could make this like, it's, yeah, we eventually see a pre no country for old men. Javier Bardem. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. And but yeah, but this this is almost the pinnacle of Cruz's stardom, really. I mean, the fact that he could make a movie like this. And it would actually be a big hit. It opened to 25 and change. It legged out to 100 million the summer of 2004. Um, it did, I think, 220 worldwide on a 65 budget. 
generally speaking, I would argue that 2004 was sort of the last summer where you had a slew of adult skewing movies that did just fine, thank you, alongside the more conventional tentpoles. You had Troy, which, by the way, made $450 million worldwide. Yeah. Um, you yeah. had this, you had the Manchurian Candidate, the village, the Born Ultimatum, which technically is PG 13, but isn't for kids and it wasn't aimed at kids the bro supremacy supremacy I'm supremacy the, yeah the good one yes the not, 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 it's the it's the, the one you like more <laughs> yes <laughs> the village Manchurian. you said Manchurian candidate yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the blockbuster that we all knew was happening fahrenheit 9 11 yes um, well, yeah i mean <laughs> i i'm assuming it was an r-rated picture so i assume there weren't that many young children flocking to that one catwoman uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'd say the interesting too thing with Cruz that we all appreciate now and stuff, but it, during oh, the no, times, Ruffalo just entered it and he gets a sweet guitar riff entrance song. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's what Ma, he deserves. Mark Ma Ruffalo in this one. Yeah, right? yeah, he's, um, he's pulling off the ethnicity. He's here. coming off of "You Can Count on Me" here. His big uh, I mean, no, he's coming off thirteen going on thirty. Right, that's where he's coming. Where he's off. fucking oh, awesome. Yeah, uh, and that's you know, if I may slightly digress, Ruffalo was doing so well for himself as just charisma incarnate in romantic comedies like Just Like Heaven and, and 13 he the, 30. He had the and even, factor in those. Yeah, yeah. Like and, but there were huge numbers of audiences that didn't see those pictures. To say nothing of, of films like this or In the Cut, in the cut. or Zodiac. Yeah. So when they go to see The Avengers in 2012, this, you know, to them, new to them, firebrand of pure scorching gee whiz movie star charisma. You know, I said then and I'll say now, that's a huge reason why that film works as well as it does. Yeah. Good actors oh, do good actors. Yep. I have nothing against Edward Norton, but it would not have been the same. Yep, true. Yeah. Well, no, he's like, yeah, he's, he was good before. Like, he was making, I don't know, there, there were kind of like, eh, movies that he made enjoyable by his yes. presence in them. Like, a, what was that, that Jennifer Aniston, from the- Kevin, Kevin Costner one? I was like, yes, rumor has it. Not, has a, it. not a good movie. movie. Not a good movie, but he's it. good in it. Just like Just Heaven, like view, all these. With View from the Top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you can't afford Mark Ruffalo, um, Patrick Wilson is available. <laughs> right. Which like that's a, he had the same like I mentioned Cusack. Cusack was like had the same thing. He had these movies that were like yeah, but he was fun to watch in them. Um, and he had that. He, he was such a sensation in that you can count on me though. I'd never yeah. seen it before. Yeah. it was like Marlon Brando or something for yeah. the first time. Yeah, that was his breakout role. Yeah, it's yeah. it's these shots that I like because it's like man's like he doesn't need to put it against the the the, the dark background you know the nighttime background mm-hmm. but he can't because it's digital camera he doesn't have to put it against like a wall or something and it looks good it looks real so much stuff yeah. in ruffalo's hair like yeah. the characters can look like michael mann film characters right caught <laughs> in this hd world which is cool i mean it's like tom cruise looks like a stylized character from the 80s mm-hmm. with his silver coat and his hair you know and he's in this world that looks more like the real world speaking so speaking of ruffalo by the way val kilmer was originally this role oh okay Valcom was cast in this part. He was supposed to play that role, but then Alexander happened, and Oliver Stone famously shoots very quickly and under budget. So obviously, it wasn't. He <laughs> uh, <laughs> <You> got Dougery <laughs> Scotted. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think he actually just took Alexander instead because it's a media oh, role. It's fair. Yeah. What, what I was saying about Cruz is what we've learned so far. He has, regardless of whatever, stayed his course. And done his thing, and it's really kind of panned out for him. Like when he did Top Gun Two, it looked like a oh boy, is he getting? No, he actually wanted to fucking do Top Gun Two. Like, is a passionate 
project there. It's not some slouchy, you know, up oh, here's it. Here's the IP again. Um, and yeah, people get excited for these just done his thing. And because he's that, pretty one of a kind, right? There's no, there's rarely a, I can't think of a spot where it's like, I need to do this because, you know, right. to pay the mortgage. Like, I don't, I don't know what that film would be like. Right. Ever, like Tropic Thunder is like, yeah, fine, why not? Why would I not want to do this? Yeah. I, Rock of Ages is maybe the one curiosity I have as far as like why. Austin Powers and Goldmember. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, mean, I, I, he, I don't think he did it to pay the mortgage, but I do think Night and Day is sort of this weird movie where he's sort of very much. See, look, remind, remember how much you love me? I, th- um, yeah, that's I definitely like a, movie, let's make it. But let's do something I do think fun. it's compromised yeah. because of that. Yeah, is that that's definitely like it. Let's do something fun just to like break up the the pace yeah. of these serious movies I've been doing. <laughs> um, and I will say this: obviously, in this film, he is completely the asshole, the villain. There's very little "quote unquote" Tom Cruise charisma, you know, to the extent where it would be inappropriate. And one thing I love about him is, you know, a couple a few years later, he plays in uh, Lions for Lamps, and he plays this firebrand. You know, you a conservative senator, and he never winks. He never does anything to assure the audience that no, don't worry, he's just acting. He's not like that guy in real life. And I remember that movie came out around the same time as Charlie Wilson's War, where you had Julia Roberts and Tom Hanks playing somewhat conservative politician characters. And all due respect, it was full. It was full of winks and nudge, nudge, and don't worry, gang. We're really, you know, we're still Democrats. Um. Anyway, Lions for Lambs. That's the prequel to Edge of Tomorrow. His character there. Yes. Right? Yes. Right. We're talking about like... Charlie Wilson's War. I love Charlie Wilson's War. Terrific movie. Um, it's a fun movie. I just I, I do take issue with those two performances because I think they're very mm-hmm. self aware. Uh, while Lions for Lambs, I mean, basically it's Tom Cruise using the Tom Cruise tools to a terrifying degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically diff- playing Greg Stilson, a more realistic version of that. Yeah, but the, yeah. the problem is that Lions for Lambs is a very forgettable and not very good movie where Charles Wilson's War, I'm not going to say everyone's talking about it all the time, but it's, oh, it's a more entertaining A lot movie. more people saw it. <laughs> yeah. That was up for some Oscars, wasn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. Phil, Phil Offit was, and they showed a, a ridiculous clip of him in the Oscars in this morning after all. It's like one of him, like, just if you've never seen that movie before, you just see like this random man screaming with a giant mustache on his face. It's like, what was that? What was, what was this? <laughs> When he snaps across the door and breaks it, it's a great scene. This right here with the cop pulling him over, <laughs> he has to tell him that they hit a deer, <laughs> and the cop says a South Central deer. That's that just <laughs> laugh every time. It's just a good line. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Slauson. Is that and that's uh, what's his name, Richard T. Jones, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> A lot of little nice cameos in this movie. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, uh, yeah, because I knew him from judging Amy at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, as far as other uh, considerations for these for Max and Vincent, um, let's see. Uh, Edward Norton was offered both roles. Uh, hmm. DiCaprio was offered Vincent. Yeah. Uh, Travolta was considered. I assume this was that time. This was like every role for Travolta at this time. Sure. Uh, Colin Farrell was considered uh, for for, uh, Max. 
Uh, Johnny Depp was considered for Max. Uh, Stuart Beatty wanted De Niro um, be like, yeah, right, because Taxi Driver. Um, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> uh, yeah, he did go on to make I Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the, the studio, the studio wanted younger, so they said no to the De Niro idea. Um, the most interesting one is Cuba Gooding Jr. was up for Max, or like they like they tossed that around. And he said no. He rejected the role thinking he'd be miscast because they're just like, but you're Jerry Maguire reunion. It's like, I don't want to do it. But then years later, he plays the Vincent role in a movie called The Hit List with our friend Cole Hauser, uh, a movie that I reviewed on Blu-ray for Blyce of Blue, <laughs> like the first movies I reviewed. Oh, oh, he wow. plays like, it's no, it's not very good. It's like, yeah. but it's a, it's a riff on this basic concept where he, he just keep that he's dressed exactly like Tom Cruise's in this movie. And he's killing people and he's a really gravelly voice. And then and Cole Hauser. You know, America's sweetheart is um, in, the, Dude, in the Max role. This, this De Niro thing is the dumbest. Like, no one going to a movie is going to believe De Niro is going to be this like he's this slick like, hitman. No, <laughs> so. oh no, wait, didn't you say he was going to be the taxi driver? Oh, driver. sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, the taxi driver, yeah, the taxi driver. Like, no one's going to buy that. Nobody. Can you be uh, the fan? Be doing the fan again? That part I mean, said- from a commercial point of view. The movie works because it's neat to see Cruz in this kind of role. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know who else you cast in this where it's as much of a, an event no, but, but, as like, Tom Cruise. Russell Crowe, it's an expected performance. Like, you yeah. know, he can do it, but there's no novelty to it. No, but Brandon, you said if he, yeah, if he's the max character, if he's the taxi driver and still, and you still have Cruz as the, as the, as the hitman. I don't know. You could be underselling how good De Niro could be doing. I'm not saying we needed this. I'm just and I and yes, it's it's too much of a cute. It's too much of a cute idea. I agree with that completely. But I'm just saying, if anyone's capable of pulling off performance, I'm not going to undersell what De Niro's capable of. Like, if you can do like his intern performance in this movie as a captain, fan, the fan, there's the fan in this movie, right? Well, the fan is just well, yeah, they're they're just murdering each other at the end with knives. (laughs) The first two thirds of the fan, he's just. Sad meek guy getting fired and stuff. He's still a, he's super yeah. intense. He's just yelling on the phone at John Leguizamo and Ellen Barkin. On the yeah, this, radio. Could have, this could have been a huge <laughs> comeback picture for Cuba. Like Cuba could have done this role and it could have put yeah. it back. Like and he whiffed. His like, instincts are not good. Not hey, good he instincts. Was, he, he was a daddy daycare too. Boat trip. Two. Yeah, two. Daddy they, they, up, they, up, they needed to upgrade for Murphy. So they're like, yeah, let's get Cuba. Was that, was that directed by Fred Savage? Uh, the two? two, yes, I believe. Yeah, so. all right, because it's yeah. Yeah. I, anyway, <laughs> Cuba. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I, think he couldn't. I don't think he couldn't do it. No, <laughs> I think Cuba could do this. Like this, this would have been a good t- and having the Jerry Maguire. Like this would have sold huge. It would. It already did. But think about that. Like that would have been. And what Renee Zellweger, <laughs> Jada Pinkett's character. There you go. That would. Oh <laughs> or no, Regina King. What am I talking about? Regina King's the character. Which, oh my gosh, uh, that actually worked. Well, and then and then Zellweger would have been Mazar at the beginning. So there you go. <laughs> um, you know, like the Revolutionary Road for the Titanic pair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, like Jerry O'Connell would have played Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell would have been Statham at the beginning. Yep. There you go. <laughs> this is the yeah. On one side from the we'd all get Kushlash watching this film. Jerry McCollateral. That's what's his name. <laughs> like the, the um, as far as other directors go, Spike Lee, Martin Scorsese, and Spielberg were all tossed around. Um, Lee and Scorsese actually seemed interested uh, in the movie. 
actually sure. going back to Fernando Moraes, he wanted to make this movie to feel like After Hours. That was his idea for the, the his, what he oh, made as the tone. Okay. After Hours. Um, That's fun. I can see Lee trying because this is like when I, you know, he ends up with Inside Man. Inside like Man, yeah. He, he wants to do a genre movie, basically. Yeah. Like something commercial that could get him. He could do this, yeah. Get him some cachet. Denzel would be the hitman. Yeah, obviously. Uh, and, and he'd be the captain. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Mookie yep. moved to LA, became a cabbie. <laughs> it's Mookie specifically. It's no one else. It's just Mookie. <laughs> Denzel and Rappaport. There you go. I don't want to drive the fucking. Why are you making it's not a a yes. I just want to watch the Knicks. This. The Knicks are in town playing the Clippers, and I just want to watch. <laughs> he killed him. You fucking kill. Oh my god. Uh, so he's Dick Ritchie. That's what he's playing. Yeah, the there you go. <laughs> um. So, so Jamie Foxx tied to the steering wheel. And now, uh, like this group of white guys, <laughs> like come after him. Um, we don't. We haven't seen Tom Cruise do anything. We ha- we've only seen a body, but we haven't seen him actually like show off mm-hmm. his skills beyond being like, you know, a cool customer that can move through crowds. Uh, seeing this for the first yeah. time in theaters, the audience really likes to respond to Tom Cruise murdering these four guys in a positive manner, since yeah. you know they're guys that are trying to essentially rob Jamie Fox. But yeah. well, they're they're set up as you know they have it coming. It's yes. Yeah, you don't feel, you're not at all required to feel sympathy for them, but you know when you see him strike for the first time, it's like this guy's not fucking around. It's like Tom Cruise means business. <laughs> yeah, he means business, and this is show you, man. It, this is just he is not getting out and of this I, night. I, and I think it works toward you know when you get to the I wait the second act climax where oh no wait he's a dick. Oh yeah, right. Because at this point, you're like I wouldn't mind if Tom badass Tom Cruise is my buddy and killed these guys for me if they were picking on me. Tom That's Cruise, kind of what the audience is thinking. Cruise walking in going, yo, homie. My roommate quoted that all the time back in college. <laughs> yo, homie. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically from this move. <laughs> you oh. know, it, it, what they saw us on, though, is that, like, we're like, yeah, they had it coming. But Fox doesn't think they deserve it, even though they right. held him up. They're just kind of hoping they shoot him. Yeah. Then he's out of this situation. So Cruz takes on the silver, the silver hair. As we said, he's he's unglamorizing mm-hmm. himself. He has this kind of big, very hefty five o'clock shadow. Um, the the prep for this film, like this is Michael Mann, so he does research for all this stuff beforehand, everything. But uh, well, he had all of them do stuff, right? So Tom Cruise works as a FedEx employee for like a couple of days to like get a sense of how to like go in and out of situations without people really noticing you. Uh, that's got to be fun. <laughs> it's, that's his whole work just be Tom Cruise blending in uh, uh, I believe Fox had to like just like you know roll, roll with cab drivers and everything do that kind of thing the Jada Pinkett stuff is the most interesting it's on the blue on the special features for this where like she like researched with like, like actual lawyers and whatnot and she met like people that would believably be her parents in this scenario which is like that's that's really deep for a movie like this like, yeah just to like get an idea of like what these backstories on for all these characters. Like Michael Bay doesn't fuck around. <laughs> no. This is 2004. Is this, is this his first movie since Ali? Am I missing something? Yep. Yep. This is it. I think I looked up his insider Ali. And insider Ali. This. this right. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it's what Mohicans heat inside of this or uh yep. Poly- yep. yeah 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 no he he uh he did a Manhunter Mohicans heat he did yeah, a Mercedes, Mercedes commercial or is or is that Mercedes the the singer hang on <laughs> uh yeah it's a Mercedes released a trailer for a new thriller called Lucky Star, which stars Benicio del Toro in a British movie theaters and on television. The two and a half minute trailer centers on a gambler named Mr. H who bets and wins at casinos and in stock market, which garners attention of a shadowy government agents. Oh, so they're trying to go after that BMW Clive, Clive Owen money. Sounds like a Super Bowl commercial type thing. Okay. Yeah. Or like the Hulk, uh, what was that? Clive Owen commercials. Yeah. With the, yeah. Yeah. the higher. Uh, the higher, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that was in 2000. Ang Lee has a little Hulk sticker in it, that was his uh, sort of signifier that he was making the Hulk next. Very exciting. I'm sure, I'm sure you watched <laughs> Ang Lee's higher entry, like, oh man, he's doing the Hulk next. I was excited, this little band aid of the Hulk. I was like, oh my god, you know what? Too old for this movie, but a young version of Duvall would have been a good Vincent. Oh, yeah, falling down, Duvall, yeah, like, yeah, he'd, a, he'd a, yeah, he'd have crushed it. There's Peter Berg. Picking yeah, up Peter Berg director, acting. Director, um, uh, he just want to be around Michael Mann so we can yep. kind of yep. make movies like him. Wait, Michael yeah. Mann cameos in Hancock, so you got that yeah. going. <laughs> there go. Yeah, there's a big like boardroom meeting scene with like Jason Bateman and like all these like big stocky guys are there, including Michael Mann. Uh, for some reason, Michael Mann, you know, he's not a small guy. Like he's he's got some heft. <laughs> uh, it's the kind of thing like. Like there's that there's the story of, of of dogma where like there's a big like boardroom meeting scene where Ben Affleck and Matt Damon like kill the whole boardroom mm-hmm. and it's all it's filled it's filled up with big stocky guys because the initial idea was to make a big action scene out of it and so they're all like stunt men that have like squibs and stuff packed under it they cut the scene but it's, you still have the boardroom scene with all these big guys in there that's what it feels like in Hancock where they have this big boardroom scene and it's like why is like Michael Mann and like all these other and, and then like what Hancock and Charlie Theron like blast through the building and all that during that scene. Scott, you love Hancock, right? That's like the favorite scene. Oh, yes. I do quite a bit. No, I did not know Michael Mann was in the movie. That's neat. Was he attached to the director? Sorry? I thought he was. Wasn't Michael Mann, was he attached to the director of Hancock for a second there? Yes. Yes, he was. Similar to this movie. I was very involved in watching the production of that one. Because I I remember that that whole, like, the initial... um, draft of that screenplay was like, Will Smith's going to star this thing. He's going to play a superhero who uh, is is washed up and he sleeps with his friend's wife or something. Like, that yeah, was like, yeah. the log line I kept reading was like, and that's where it ended. It's like, what, so what's the story in this movie? Like, what's, what are we doing here? <laughs> movie finally happens. Like, well, it's not exactly what the initial pitch seemed to be, but all right. Right, right. So is there a sense that this is Michael Mann? I mean, is this Michael Mann for hire in this movie then? And if so, is he doing that because Ali wasn't, uh, I guess, beloved in all corners? I think he just came through it naturally through the... uh, Crow got him here. Uh, Crow got... uh, um, Yeah, Crow Crow was attached to this first and he got Michael Mann involved. uh, And then Crow had to leave and Michael Mann stayed. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I think he's just he's just interested in the material. Uh, like he moved it to L.A. himself. He wrote all these backstories and stuff. He's didn't, you know, he's not. He did all the work he does on a Michael Mann movie. Like it's not any different. But he's got to share the movie with Tom Cruise and Paula Wagner. I'm sure, right? Like they're yeah, but I you mean, know, Cruise like Cruise the Cruise the guy that's like I want to work with directors I find interesting. So that's I don't he think is going to run point, the show. But when I said earlier that I thought it wasn't Michael Mann's best movies, it's because I think it's partially. Tom Cruise acts a little bit like a black hole in this movie in terms of he has to still be Tom Cruise, 
in a way that he wouldn't be if it was a complete Michael Mann picture. You know what I'm saying? This is sort of a little more audience friendly. I think Tom Cruise's instincts are a little more um, sort of right down the middle. Not nothing wrong. Elaborate right on that because I don't know what you mean. I just think that there that the way. You know, I we were talking not long about ago, uh, not, not too long ago about Miami Vice and how that movie is so Michael Mann that you have to watch it so closely. If you don't watch it closely, you probably think it's a terrible movie. If you do watch it closely, you pick up on the storyline because it's communicated so it's so terse and so you have to watch so closely to get what's going on. And I know that's the mode he wants to work in, and this feels more like that crossed with. A big Tom Cruise vehicle. Which let just, me ask think, you. A, let me ask. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. You you love Cape Fear. Now that is a very commercial Scorsese movie, right? That's a very compared to other Scorsese movies that are entirely personal to him. Yeah, but we know that Scorsese and De Niro have this brotherly bond that they're going to do it together. They're going to they're going to have some reason for wanting to do it. And I'm not saying I feel any kind of a clash. I'm just saying that Heat and some and Ali and 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 the other pictures we talk about are are a little more terse, is all I would say. And this, I think, is bent a little bit more towards audience pleasing, which is not a knock against the movie, but it's the only reason I I always feel like if, if the Tom Cruise role were Russell Crowe or somebody who wasn't quite as, I feel like Cruise is very. Cruz adds a bit of a producer edge to him wherever he goes. Yeah, he breaks his own instincts and you have to listen to him because he's he's a filmmaker in, in some ways, you know. But I think just having to share the spotlight a little bit makes it a little bit less to me of a like a a tour movie, which is fine. Who cares? As I said, it's the was one of the best movies of that year. So I wasn't complaining at the time. But in the long run, it's not one of my top two or three, although it's one of the better if I, if I were to think of the best Tom Cruise movies in the last 20 years, it would be up there probably. I hear what you're saying. I like this movie yeah. a little more than you, I say, I guess, as far as the, the man canon goes, but I get what you're saying. I mean, it's like, if yeah, if you're coming off of Ali, which is a multi-year affair to make and wasn't as successful as they might have hoped. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your instinct is to let me make something a little bit more commercial so I can keep making movies the next time around. And then, yeah, he pivots to Miami Vice, which is the most man after this yeah. movie so i get it i, I do think it's it's inter, you know, interesting whatever you want to call it you know cameron crow makes almost famous which does is not a success so then tom cruise rides to the rescue with a more commercial it's almost although, a hit mm, it was an oscar yeah. success though i got a lot of oscar nominations yeah. oh no it's a great it's one of the best movies of the 2000s but i digress oh, yeah. um so you know tom cruise comes right to the rescue with the comparatively more commercial uh, vanilla sky and then Michael Mann's Ollie that, doesn't that quite. Movie. What was that? Is is Vanilla Sky? It, like, um, it makes money, but like, is that a movie that's? Is that a movie that's well, I think it's commercial? from a time when you had big movie stars and high concepts, and that was enough. Because yeah, I mean, especially by today's standards, it's a glorious, you know, quote unquote, uncommercial. Probably would have gotten an F from CinemaScore. Blah blah blah. But back it, then, yeah. audiences were. I don't want to say more adventurous because that's not fair, but that was the kind of film that could be. A mainstream open to 25 led to a hundred million dollar domestic success well the poster was a picture of tom cruise it's all you needed you go see it because tom cruise is in it exactly it. so you know he he helps out cameron crow when he's in a lurch and then he helps out yeah. michael mann when he's in a lurch yeah good point is he sure as lurch, shit like helped it. out christian mcguire when he was in a lurch holy shit yeah, <laughs> although he obviously repaid him 
Is man in a lurch though? I mean, it's like a movie that's Ali was, well, it's, Ali was yeah, Ali had, it's a it's a it, it it does make money. Like it's not a flop by any means, and it's a multi Award. Well, no, it, yeah. it makes eighty eight on a hundred eighteen million dollar budget. Okay, so it didn't I mean, do well. I mean, I liked it, <laughs> but it was a flop. Again, it's very it's not the big bear hug of a biopic that we probably I didn't realize it cost that much. That's all. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's an expensive movie. <laughs> um because they go because they actually go to Africa. Like they do things in that movie that that helps. Like it's a, it's very authentic. Oh, in the head. This whole sequence of Barbara Chaka Henry. Don't um, it's it's really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I also like that it's I do like I don't know what Vincent's game is here beyond well Max is on to me. I can't just leave him in the cab. So I will just fuck with this guy, <laughs> like making it more personal than I needed to. Um, which I guess lead, lends to credence to what you're saying, Yancy, as far as like if this was like a cold-blooded hitman, we wouldn't have this whole conversation set piece. We just have Tom Cruise like find a way to just shoot this guy and get the fuck out of there. <laughs> right. And without I don't know. I mean, like obviously that's a place where Michael Mann and Cruise agreed is to slow this movie down for 10 minutes for that scene mm-hmm. is the absolute right thing to do at this point. But I don't know if that would have been everybody else's choice to do. The variety and kills, and that's the first one we actually like see, see firsthand yeah. too. Yeah, and you're shocked, but you and know it's we, we we're in Fox's perspective because he hasn't seen the other ones at this point as well. So we the tension of... in, the, in the the tension in the mo- in the Tom Cruise character is that he kind of wants Fox to think that he's an okay guy deep down inside. They're just doing a job, yeah. right? Yeah, he's going to murder him, but he still wants him to think he's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, just... he's never going to kill Jamie Fox. By the end, you know he will not kill Jamie Fox for anything, for some reason. No, he won't kill him until the end of the night. He'll kill him <laughs> eventually. But I mean, it's very clear. Yeah. That's yeah. why they tell the story of the other taxi driver. And this is what he does. Yeah, and it's also it's the same as the dude and Walter trying to uh, deliver the money. He can't he can't hold the phone, deal with the contracts, and drive the car all at the same time. <laughs> he needs the I don't think guy. he wants to ever. I think by the end, I don't think he wants to kill Jamie Foxx at all. Oh no, wants, yes he does. They, why would he? Yeah. He doesn't. He wants not going to string him along. He's got a. I mean, the guy has a code, and no matter what, he's going to stick to the code. Even yeah. I think he does. It will bug him, but he's going to stick to his code at the end of the day. Yeah, it's bothering him more than normal when he's dealing with this kind he of wants thing. To, maybe you're right, but, but he still he wants to. It's his principle. He's just a guy doing a job. And it's like, even- well, I think he sees this as part. He's he's a big part of the job, the the entire job. As far as for the for this night, I need this guy. He needs to be with me at all times. Mm-hmm. I want to protect him, and I'm going to treat him like a human. When it's when the job's done. The whole thing's done. Burn it all. Burn it down. He's gone. He's out of there. Yeah, he's like, I want him to at least believe that he's going to drop me off in an airport and we're going to call it a night, but I'm still going to kill him. Um, this, I mean, you got to go back to like Heat, where, you know, De Niro in that movie is like, don't get too attached to anything that you can't drop in 30 minutes. And I think Cruz's character here lives by that. They're dressed exactly the same. He's yeah. dressed just like Heat, like De Niro De is. De Niro would never do that. De Niro's character would never treat someone like that. He's got an like honor among thieves. But, but I'm saying that guys that live by codes, their, their codes are slightly different. He's more brutal. He's cold. This guy's well, colder because he's younger. De Niro's experience, he can get away with this kind of yeah. thing. He knows what he's he knows so what he's doing. He, he doesn't push the issue at the end, Jamie Foxx. He doesn't force Tom Cruise to try to kill him. It's it's, it's clearly he's going to do it. I don't remember. I haven't seen this in a while. Well, well, he, they, he, well they get into they get into a standoff, and even then, it it goes back to the same thing. We're we'll get there. We'll talk about it when we get there. We'll put it that way. I think he likes him. Doesn't want to kill him. No, he does, I mean, he doesn't want to kill him. He tries to, he tries to kill him. <laughs> like, oh, but, but he has, over his own life, maybe, but I think he's trying to redeem himself through this guy somehow. I, they're certainly having more philosophical conversations than Cruz is probably used to having being in these scenarios just because of how personal the mm-hmm. the escort aspect of this relationship is. 
but I like this by the way. That I, I think the some of it, <laughs> some, some of it is to get Jamie Foxx to buy into thinking he's a special one when he is just the next cab driver to Tom Cruise. Right. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, because it, otherwise Cruise has to delay his whole mission so he can find another cab driver and do all the things again to get the, the whole mission back going. Like, a lot, of his, a lot of his thing is, is getting details from Jamie Foxx that he will get. He openly gave to Jada Pinkett earlier, but he's very reserved about with Tom Cruise even before he knows who Tom Cruise is because the conversation before he talks about his future, what he's wanting to do with, with Jada Pinkett. Cruise gets in, has a similar approach, and he zips up and say like, i don't want to talk i'm not talking about that well the yeah. ad the tones are all different and everything yeah. too, right I mean, yeah he's not, you know he's not he's jada pinkett who he's trying to flirt with he's you know tom cruise is just another another ride right now this is a scene that only tom cruise and i can't imagine russell crow paul russell crow paul pulling this off this is a scene that tom cruise can can do almost better than any actor ever mm-hmm. maybe paul where he's got to suddenly be familial to this guy's mother well and he it, with Russell Crowe, it would be a comedic scene. With Tom Cruise, it just kind of fits because it'd be it'd be more over the top because you know how intense that Crow is. And we don't, we, yeah, we haven't seen like a lot of lighthearted Crow stuff hasn't come out. So if you'd see him change to this lighthearted, kiss ass tone with this mom, it'd be a lot more belly laugh played than just kind of a smirk. Yeah, people didn't so. people didn't fly in to see his comedic performances for Mystery Alaska and uh, of course Virtuosity. Um, you don't feel bad. You guys don't feel bad at the end when he's on the train. Tom Cruise a little bit. I'm not saying no. no that's no. not that's not the argument. I'm <laughs> well, I mean, for one thing, yes, he's a terrible person. I mean, like there's there's an interesting <laughs> irony as far as him telling a subway story, and then it you know ends with him being the guy that's alone on the subway. But as far as like he's a little bit more complex than you guys are giving him credit for in this movie. He's no, a, no, no, no. Don't argue with you on principle. He <laughs> kills people for money. He's Here a he dick. Does. Just because he's complex doesn't mean he's supposed to be sympathetic. He's interesting. Yeah. He's supposed to be an anti-hero. If Jimmy Fox wasn't in this movie at all, it would just be a movie about Tom Cruise, the kick-ass hitman. Yeah. Well, then the movie would be different because we wouldn't be seeing, we'd probably be less likely to see that his victims are, I mean, part of the empathy for the people he kills comes through Jimmy Fox's eyes. And that's one reason he's there, is to prevent Vincent from looking too hip and cool and badass. Well, I, I don't think Vincent pull us needs, back from the brink. Vincent doesn't need to be sympathetic. He just needs to be interesting. And yeah, he's be, very interesting, but he's still a dick who kills people for money. This is also just to keep just in terms of like context around this film. This is uh, nearly ten or no, it is. It's ten years after we've gotten Pulp Fiction and we've had all these cool hitman movies, regardless of how good they are. Where you know we have all these hip guys that are, it's cool to be a hitman. It's cool to be an assassin. And here's where it's like, this guy, he's a terrible person. If yeah. this movie if he wants to make it clear, it's not great to be a hitman. It's like, there are people that are affected. I think where there's like a, a subtextual sympathy that you might have investing in here with him is that you, like I said, he's got this code, you know, he's got these rules and you're kind of like, does he complete these rules? Cause this guy always gets his job done. So you kind of lean that into kind of having stakes for him as a viewer knowing exactly. what he's capable of capable of that not like oh this guy's gonna get redeemed not like that sense but there is a sort of stakes with him okay i'm not saying he deserves to get redeemed but i'm saying the character as he plays it wants this jamie fox guy to think that he is just a guy who's doing a job and not a profoundly bad person or an evil person i can, I I mean, can see that I yeah can, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah i don't think the movie has any illusions about that yes yeah. the movie knows that he's a he dick wants that from him you know yes because that's why he lets him run away here he could 
He thinks he's, he, he wants him to he wants some kind of absolution from this character for some reason. No, it's it, it's the classic. It's not me. It's something you did. It's, yeah. you know that that type of thing. Here's this running. Yeah, here's a Tom Cruise running scene. I'd be scared uh, if Tom Cruise run after me like that. Yes, I would. Oh, yeah, yeah. God. without a without a gun. It's intense. Like it is. <laughs> yeah. Like it is. A, it is a full all my weight forward charge. Like yeah, like, it really is. like Tom, Tom Cruise was not close <laughs> to Jamie Fox. He caught yeah. up to him. <laughs> he was very far away. By the way, going back real quick to the mother scene. Um, yeah, see, it is very funny, and that the line before they even get there, when he asks if he wants to buy flowers, like that woman held you in her womb for nine months. Yeah. That is a killer line that Tom Cruise mm-hmm. can tell. <laughs> as far as us liking him, or you know, having some sort of empathy, the, the other thing to keep in mind, he's Tom Cruise. I mean, yeah, the guy bleeds like charisma. Yeah. The guy bleeds charisma. I mean, like, yeah. yeah, we're inherently going to. I mean, this is one of what three villain roles he has with um, vampire and taps like so i mean but like vampire he's an awful person he's, he's worse than anything like he's the worst one and but you're like oh i don't want tom cruise to leave. i gotta deal with smoky brad pitt for the rest of the movie if I get <laughs> yeah true i like how like very dead these bodies seem and when i say that yeah. i mean like the bullet holes look like what an actual bullet hole would look like not like a brain's been blown away in some cartoon movie it's like it's just like Really small holes because this guy is this professional. Well, that's where a man got into that with Miami Vice too, with these really forensically accurate, like uh-huh. <laughs> people being blown apart in these two ways that are, you know, he spent a lot of time looking at this stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. 150. He's a Van Halen fan. <laughs> <laughs> Spike Lee's Clockers is another one that has uncommonly realistic bullet wounds. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, intentionally for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, Ruffalo never tried this hair thing again. I just keep looking at that hair. That it's awful. It, in, it's in the cut is similar. Is it? Is it okay? In the in the cut's very similar to this, and they're around the same time, so it makes sense. But he's but yeah, he's playing like he's not scuzzy in this, but he certainly seems like a guy that's like you know awake most of the hours of the night, uh, and that's like it's, the it's kind like, of role he's playing when he's not playing romantic guys or whatever. It's like a warm and fuzzy. Is, well, he's a warm and fuzzy yeah, charisma is what it is. He fights <laughs> against that in this and in the cut, but and he's so like, they're like, you're still a pledge. You can't look handsomer than our leads yet. So you need to have the slick <laughs> yeah. back hair and the goatee. So sorry. And he is, you know, the representation of lawful virtue, a guy, you know, played by Mark Ruffalo. So he is somewhat charismatic. And he is presented as a possible exit for Jamie Foxx. So when Tom Cruise kills him, that sort of solidifies the whole, yeah, yeah, Tom Cruise is a dickhead. Yeah, oh, it's and it's cold too. I mean, yeah, yeah he's the biggest red herring in this movie because you, because you, you absolutely, yeah. he's he's Scatman Crothers. That's his character. <laughs> yeah, in this movie. yeah, no, that's exactly. It. And I like the surprise of that. You, I mean, building into, um, you know, his side of the story that ends up leading in a hail of gunfire. I mean, uh, the smartest is, character in this movie, by the way, the, the smartest character in this movie is Peter Berg. He's like, I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I got to direct the rundown in the morning. I'm out, I'm out of here. <sighs> what else? Nancy, are you saying something? Um, I don't recall. Okay. <laughs> the last thing we thought when I was bl- blurting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were 17 taxis used for this movie. Total. 
yeah. How many were uh, used on the film Taxi with Queen Latifah and Jimmy Fallon? The world will never know. Um, only um, Tim Story knows that answer. Um, the rare Tim Story movie that didn't get a sequel. Um, this movie was set in New York in the script originally. It was actually there's I have some other stuff on what it was originally. It was originally called The Last Domino, and mm. it was going to be focused on a black female cop who sees a hit, and then there was still a cab driver and, and his librarian girlfriend involved. I don't know what that movie is exactly, but that's not the. Uh... It evolves to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, BD is yeah, the BD is the credited writer on this film, but I'm pretty sure Michael Mann did like heavy rewrites as far as where we're at. I looked up BD uh, <laughs> recently wrote the first three and season finale of uh, Obi Wan. So, yeah, yeah. Do with that yeah, what you yeah. will. Yep, yep. Mm. Yeah, was this the last movie where Cruz? I guess you probably already talked about this, where he's taking something of a chance or, or no lions for lambs. No, there's other, well, the Valkyrie was seen as him. Yeah. Are we allowed to talk about that? That's a, that's a Ratner esque filmmaker. Are we allowed to talk? (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's, there's a lot of people. Does it exist? There's a (laughs) that movie exists still. I mean, given, given the movie itself, which (laughs) it's another one of those. Oh yeah, that did, that did happen, I guess. But, um, that was the first movie I saw when I came back from Israel, Valkyrie. Oh, that that and it was that in um, what's it, Frank Miller's movie, that stop Oh, spirit, back to back. No, spirit. He did Rock of Ages too. Yeah, that's a. Rock of Ages. I'd say that's like a change. It's sort of in line with the Magnolia part a little bit. Well, because he's not like the focus, but it's like, like well, it's Tom Cruise. Anytime he's on screen, it's like, well, yeah. And there was some hesitancy about Ghost Protocol because of three at the time, and there was the rumors that, it, like, what they were going, Jeremy Renner was going to take over Mission Impossible, oh, and right. and like, was the, or was there that, was rumor after three that Brad Pitt was going to be the new leader? I remember that Mission Impossible. But now, when we say there were rumors, does it really go beyond that? Because that's my question. It's like no, judging judging by I've Ghost heard Protocol, everything like, from it was always bullshit to. Stories claiming that Tom Cruise refused to shoot the scenes that would pass the torch, and thus they didn't happen. But it's like watching Ghost Protocol. It's like, what version of this movie is Tom Cruise giving up at the end to be like, yeah. you go, Renner? <laughs> like, there's well, no- I kind of yeah, wonder when right. I saw it, I was like, are they going to flip on us and he's going to be John Voight for this one? Because there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, because I, I go in there thinking, I'm like, well, there's a planned transition here, and like, no, it's just. A new Mission Impossible adventure. He's talking and about it was how McQuarrie, awesome. <laughs> he's talked about how McQuarrie really saved that movie. So I do wonder yeah. if there was like a version of that mm. script or it was more, you know, you do me kind of thing with Renner, and then McQuarrie comes in and is like, let's just make a fucking great movie instead. Yeah, was that before or after Renner's Born movie? That's before, but before Renner's it. still on the rise after Hurt Locker. Renner's Renner signing up for it. kind of like an office guy that gets pulled into the Mission yeah. Impossible team. Yeah, yeah. He, he's Brandt. He's the guy. He's, he's, he's Tom Wilkinson's assistant, essentially. It's yeah, like so he feels, seem like he was well, no, that's it. No, the other thing, he has a backstory. He has like a tragic backstory or whatever where that Cruz was involved mm-hmm. in, right? Like he didn't protect. Yep. Yeah, he was the guy assigned to watch his wife. Yeah, he yeah. thought, yeah. And, you know, he and, effed and, like, up he in one way or another. And, yeah. So that's that's why he went to be the, the office guy. He got out of the field. Yeah. So the movie, oh. the movie is essentially more of I'm like not only am I not giving you my role, but I'm bringing you back to to work under me. 
as, as punishment for even suggesting you could take over for me. It's funny, and especially in retrospect, you know, I mean, Jeremy Renner isn't the first generically handsome white guy that was pitched as the quote unquote the next Tom Cruise, but he was brought in to replace, you know, Matt Damon as Jason Bourne, replace Tom Cruise on the Mission Impossible movies. He was cast as an Avenger. All of from one little scene Oscar winner that, yeah, <laughs> that was stars on the rise. He, he like had been around for years on TV and stuff. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he was very good in the town, but most of these roles were cast before yeah. the town. What's but he seemed like a James Cagney sort of in the town? Yeah. He, he never yeah. struck me as he was going to be a big star. He's what's not really the, handsome to be honest? He is, in it, yeah, know? he has a pug face. Um, but what's not going to be the new town? What, what, that, that would be wild. What serial killer did he play? That's that got a, is it Manson? Oh, he played uh, what's his name? Uh, the one that was just done by the uh, Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer, yeah, yeah. Oh he, yeah, he, he got a, he got a lot of big notice for Dahmer, which probably got him hurt locker. Um, he was the bad guy in uh, SWAT, wasn't he? Yeah, you, you're the SWAT, you're not. Yep, yep. Scott. Yeah, yeah. You're the SWAT, you're not. That's the line. You're either no, SWAT you know, or you're oh. not. Okay. If it sounds like I'm bagging on him, I'm not because I think it's how he's used in the MI4 is wonderful. Yeah. yeah I think he's right. incredibly charming and charismatic in that picture. Yeah. In a I'm, way, partially because he doesn't have to be the sto- stoic. He's like hanging over the fan. For he's Ethan like, he gets, where he's like, Levin's getting over the fan. He's yeah. more insecure than crew. Like the, the gift with four is that it's like, okay, let's stop making it. Let's, let's remind people that this should be impossible. And these characters actually think that as they're doing these things. Yes. So, like, I consider Cruz and Renner. Part. Are thrown into situations where, like, how is this going to work? Well, force the one where none of their gadgets work. Everything yeah, goes haywire. Yeah. yeah, it's a big. <laughs> that's it's it's why four I is like the first one. The first three don't exist for me. Four is the first one. <laughs> it's, it's, it's why it's why I like Rogue Nation a little more because I think Ghost Protocol is more. A, it, it's more a series of set pieces than story. Um, that's one reason Rogue Nation is my favorite of the. Yeah, entire Rogue Nation's series. the top. I think it's the best mix of. You know, crazy ass stunts and real kind of sort of real world espionage action thriller. Anyway, back to collateral. Back to, <laughs> back to collateral. Bruce McGill. Bruce McGill always happy to be here. Yeah. Who uh, who has replaced Dennis Farina? Dennis Farina was going to be. Oh this, wow! Uh, but you got Bruce McGill, which is not in the inside. Had that big shouting at the guy. Oh, oh yeah, that was the role that kind of elevated him from that guy from MacGyver to crusty, prestigious <laughs> character actor because he rules in that scene. Oh yeah, the, it's it's a star. Yeah. Like that smile on He's been around for a while. Yeah, friends of the show, David Bax and Tyler Smith, they host the Battleship Pretension. And they have an award every year for their award show that they do. That's called the uh, best, <laughs> the Bruce McGill Award for best scene from a character under fifteen minutes. Uh, that's neat. They, they've titled, yeah, they they titled mm. their award after that insider scene of Bruce McGill. That's cool. <laughs> and you know, it's as someone that liked him in MacGyver and was always a little, oh no, I wish he worked more because you know whatever. That was thrilling to watch. What? Both uh, both Farina and McGill, by the way, are Miami Vice vets. They were both in the show. Yeah, I feel like Bruce McGill. I mean, once JT Walsh passed away, Bruce McGill. Oh yeah, he, he easily got, inherited it. Yeah. yeah, he inherited that. I assume any he was an Animal House roguish or yeah. characterish actor of that era was either in Miami Vice or Crime Story at one point. That's that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> or Wise Guys. And if you're a music star looking to cross over, you also were either on Miami Vice or Wise Guy, like Shane Easton or Glenn Fry from the Eagles. Mm. There he is. However, we're now looking incredibly menacing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone's like very fit. Like everyone has like shaved hair, uh, you know, beard, like very low beards, if any at all. Everyone's very professional. 
Even McGill's like kind of slick back. Look at this. He's he's kind of got a cropped more. He's usually a little poofier. So he got like a toupee on. Looks kind of like it's it's shaved in a way where it yeah. looks like it could be if it if it was. Oh, Peter Berg is here. He goes home though. He doesn't stay around. He li- <laughs> he, li- he lives. Oh yeah, I think it's after it's soon. We're like we're Peter Berg. I think he just has a line where he's like, "I'm going home." Like this isn't panning out. Anyway, Javier Bardem, uh, before anyone really, you know, he has obviously, he has had his very Spanish language films where he's he's nominated for the C inside. When? Like, is it, it's soon. Mm-hmm. 2006, maybe? 2006. What is that? 2005? Maybe before that. Because there was also, what, before Night Fun? Like, he's, he's like, make, like, he's quietly becoming like a, a, you know, a big deal. Oh, yeah. Where he becomes like real, you know, real American in his roles. He has this one scene, but he studied for months to do this like Mexican American accent to get it just right, because that's the kind of prep that Michael Mann makes you go through to be in his movies. And his second cousin does what now? <laughs> He's one of the best actors in the world. That Javier Bardem. Oh Gosh. yeah. Oh he yeah. Really I could watch him spit and do it all day. I wanted to see his Frankenstein. That would have been good. I think he should have played the Frankenstein monster in the Dark Universe. He would have been. It could still happen. <laughs> It's never going to happen. <laughs> Don't say that no. ever. <laughs> and I say this surprised. with absolute sincerity, but he is absolutely wonderful on Lyle Lyle Crocodile. He is he, for, for a movie that I was very bored by. Yes, he was a highlight of that film. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, very, very bored by in Lyle Lyle Crocodile. <laughs> uh, before Night Falls, yeah, he gets nominated. That's 2000. I guess he wasn't. I thought he was nominated for Sea Inside, but I guess not. Maybe you're mixing it up with the other one. I, 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 I definitely. It's gold. He got a Golden Globe nomination. It just didn't go to Oscar. That's what it is. Yeah. He'll have one three years from now. This movie, by yeah. the way, Bat- BAFTAs for Collateral. It got a number of BAFTAs uh, nominated. It got six BAFTA nominations, including Fox, which makes sense. I think the Ray thing really pushed him through there because. Normally, BAFTAs are like uh, no saying no to the people of color, but uh, what, they, Fox squeaked through, yeah. I guess. It also got one MTV Movie Award nomination for Best Villain. One of the most important awards you can get. Yes. Yes. They didn't get nominated for Best Kiss? Uh, it's, it's number six. Squeak, squeaked out. Uh, <laughs> Is that 2004? So the Notebook wins that year? Right? Yeah. I was looking at you specifically, Brian. I know you keep track of who wins Best Kiss at the MTV Movie Awards. I, I was. Um, well, best Kiss was more, more often a joke than anything else. Like it'd be like Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels or something. No, there's they, three They cool would have words. one in there. Yeah, they would have one in there and then we one joke one and then like serious. Is this the best Jamie Foxx scene in this movie? When he has to like go from being his character to playing Vincent? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's certainly the a highlight because it sort of encapsulates his entire character arc in a scene. I don't know that Jada Pinkett scene at the beginning is great. He's yeah. so charming in that, you know. Fair. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a super impressive, I mean, best supporting yeah. actor. Uh, but but yeah, that I was much more enamored with him than him doing an impression of Ray Charles. Uh, he's so good in Ray. He's, like, he's very good as Ray. I get that you yes, like this more. I like this more, Ray. but I still, it's not like Ray's a bad performance. 
He's terrific as Rance, much more than an impression. I got what what Fox does well, I think, is the fact that he's a guy that doesn't imitate. I think he's very good at actually creating a performance out of these roles. How do you do Ray Charles without that? You have to imitate him to a certain extent. But I mean, yeah, but you know, you know what I mean. It's not a parody. Like it's yeah, no, yeah. He's he's finding what he needs, just like I like Mike Mike Mann gets Smith to do with Ali. Like that's not a that's not an easy thing to do. Portray Muhammad Ali, one of the most charismatic and very personality filled sports stars of all time. And yet Michael Mann's like, I can I can get him to do this. He pushed him. I mean, the important thing is this all leads to stealth. So. <laughs> yeah, oh, we're Jamie Foxx, uh, never better. So, like, it was one of the TV ads I saw for that movie. <laughs> Jamie Foxx has never been better. Stealth. <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with your police. Some guy from there. like Fox TV or whoever the fuck wrote that one I Am Legend review, Jeffrey Lyons or whatever. <laughs> I'm legend yeah. thing that said one of the best movies ever made. Um, it did, it did end us at the end of Josh Lucas, the big Josh Lucas run. We're like, yeah, oh. He's like hey, alternate it McConaughey. It was between him and Cole Hauser. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, especially like, if you look at these performances of one for best actor for musician, that's like, this. I'll take Ray over fucking oh, yeah, well, you're... Bohemian Rhapsody any day of the week here. <laughs> you know, it's not the yeah, poor movie. A thousand percent, God. yes. But that's a case where they had to pick the fifth or sixth guy that wanted to 12th. do it. It is 12th is the answer to that question. That's not exactly Well, yeah. 12th Whereas guy. I don't think there's anyone that would have been better at Ray than Jimmy Fox. I mean, he just. It's obviously a more obvious Oscar winning performance than this is, which is why we might want to sort of shine a light on this. But for me, that whole year, I was just amazed that he had both of these movies. Well, yeah, he gets you know? nom for this because the draft of Ray is so strong, right? It's like Jimmy Fox, he was great both those movies right we got yeah, when he wins for ray it's like it's partially for this too you, you get one or the other you know usually. yeah yeah it's like when jeremy irons wins not for dead ringers right yeah. <laughs> which is that, i wish i thought that but i feel like no one saw dead ringers that's like the one of the best performances in the history of film it wasn't even nominated i think movie. people have seen it i mean we're getting a tv show reboot whatever soon with yeah, rachel wise Maybe you're right. Oh. At least, but yeah, Goldblum didn't get nominated either. So I think they had something against Cronenberg at the time, at least. Two great performances. Won't leave Canada to come live in LA. Never nominate him. Oh, supporting. Yeah, this this is supporting as much as Ethan Hawke supporting Denzel and training. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the nature of his character is supporting <laughs> compared to a glossy hitman. Well, I also think, I mean, to give them the benefit of the doubt, they knew he was going to be a frontrunner for Ray, so they tried to well, have their yeah, it too. It's, it's all politics. I get that for sure. Yeah. It's a matter of what can we feasibly make happen. <laughs> like that, yes, I get right. that. The taxi dispatch is the first AD who was going to be a temp voice, but Michael Mann liked him enough, so he's like, I'll just leave it in there. As if it's go. not, they, they, they couldn't, they couldn't afford uh, Peter Boyle to replay the wizard. <laughs> go on, get laid. It tells travel, Travis Pickle. <laughs> if you want to talk about contrivances in this movie, the, the whole Mark Ruffalo thing is like, I heard about this guy up in the Bay. You know, there was a cab driver. He went crazy, killed a bunch of people. I just thought there's somebody else in that cab. Like he just knows the exact plot of this movie. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, all right, that's that's, that's, a, Beatty, that's cute. That's cute. <laughs> that's that's nice. <laughs> I 
because he's, he's sussing it out. He, now, he's a good cop. That's our understanding here because he's sussing out the same thing. Where it's like, oh, this is Cappy. Suddenly start killing people. Well, to be fair, the other cop was the one suspected something was going on. The previous detective in the other case. Yeah, he got the idea for, but just yeah. the the fact the fact that he's heard of this exact same, you know, he heard the he heard the he read the script is like I've heard about this. Before. <laughs> he read that script. Yeah. <laughs> it was called the Last Domino. It had a black cop in it. The Last Domino. <laughs> That's a bad title. No, yeah, it's not, it. a, not, not a good one. Collateral <laughs> came from, but this wasn't too long after Collateral Damage. They almost changed the title because of that. They didn't want it to be associated with Collateral Damage because it was it was um that was it wasn't successful. Yeah, but they they stuck their. I'm sure, I'm sure Michael Mann put his foot down and said, "No, that's a movie." Like, well, nobody good saw title, that, collateral. so we can we can take the like why? Well, no one saw that, so we're we're home free with this title. Mm-hmm. Pretty this much should run Collateral and Louis Mal's Damage. On the same night. <laughs> then you go home and watch Damages on Stars. Damages <laughs> on Stars, right? <laughs> or F- it was FX still before it went to Stars. We're talking over a lot of the, we can't, obviously we can't hear the movie, but like the music here, you have James Newton Howard's score, and then you have like what Audio Slave tracks as well as and yeah, there's Antonio, some Cor- Antonio, there's Cornell in there, yeah, I can Cornell, hear that. Yeah. and uh, Antonio Pinto is doing some music as like there's a. And just like before, not yeah, now, but like be- beforehand, there's a lot of diegetic music that's coming out of the cab and everything, like the seed by the roots, which made me happy. Yeah, this stuff in general, though, like them just driving around in LA, like it's just really, you know, there's no real sense of, ge- I don't think it's dictating the geography all that well, but it's yeah. really giving you a lot of looks at LA, which is nice. Mm-hmm. It just looks so much like driving around, which I guess is, it's just, yeah. That's the thing, like, I don't, if you do this story in New York, somebody's seeing what they're doing. Some they're getting caught fat. Like yeah. I, I don't feel yeah. like it can last as long as LA. Right. Yeah, it's more sprawling. Where yeah, so there's too many people. LA people aren't out and about as much. They're in cars and stuff more so than New York by quite a bit. And yeah, they're all gearing up, like they're about to throw down. there's a lot of the same like extras as crank which comes out like a year later two years later from Mm. this (laughs) given that there's mexican gangs so the idea is that vincent has to kill five people that are all going to a big court case thing including the da Mm -hmm. how does that work like what happens the next day when they go to the courts and they're like they're all dead. It's like, what is, is the case? <laughs> well, does the case get thrown out? It's like, what is the case? Yeah. You can't prove that the defendant hired the hits. But like, but I mean, it also yeah, includes... two plus two equals four. But so the case gets dismissed. But it includes Pinkett's character, the prosecutor. Like if the if the lawyer is murdered, isn't there like any kind of repercussion? on the judge Well, depends, well, well the bodies might not be found right? that by then either. They found they're, like, the, they're literally in the hospital. Well, there. some of them read the ones that were found were in the hospital, but some like. If he's I think I would argue the DA one is more, you know, sending a very public message. That seems pretty mm-hmm. egregious to me. <laughs> That's the Joker yeah. killing <laughs> guy in Batman. Like yeah, in the coyotes. <laughs> There's a coyote. Yeah. Great. And here's That's poor the, Jimmy the, Fox the caught in the middle, of just a law abiding citizen. Yeah. This is the moment I'll always think of when I think of this format coming into play is this. Oh, yeah, because it captures the yeah, eyes. Yeah, That's Michael the coolest man. thing where yeah. it gets the, the eyes of the of the coyote. 
You just wouldn't see it wouldn't look like that on film, you know? Yeah. Exactly. For, sure. for the listeners uh, that aren't uh that's an actual coyote, not Peter Coyote, the actor. <laughs> He's not yes. <laughs> it's not it's not keys walking around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Los Angeles at night, you'll see Peter Coyote walking around here. <laughs> That's the legends of Peter Coyote. His, <laughs> his, eye, his, eye, his eyes shine. You get red eye when you take ca- camera. Take a yeah. picture of his camera. It's, uh, he had, he he has a bet with Sam Elliott that he can narrate better. So he just goes around people was. to tell their stories. I don't know how old I was when I realized that his name probably wasn't Peter Coyote at birth. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't his, his, his birthright. <laughs> Yeah, hey, Peter Lipschitz. That's what it is. Is that what it is? <laughs> no. <laughs> just, I just hope it's the most Jewish name possible. It's no way it's Peter Coyote. I just realized, wait a second. I can't. <laughs> well, he was just up. he was gonna be like Madonna and just go by Peyote, but someone's like, eh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. You know. As far as I understand it, by the way, that, that coyote seed is entirely like planned. Like it, but I like that it's shot in a way where it's like that could feel like man just found his shot and picked it up, but like it's it's very deliberate, but it's still, I think, presented well without being like bashing you over the head of the message. All right. Uh, Robert Peter Cohan. Yeah, I just found it too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not Coyote. And Cohan, so it's not Cohen, so it's not even vaguely Jewish. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's always the name. You know, whenever you make a joke about changing your name, the real name always has to be something sort of ungainly and Jewish. Mm-hmm. That works. He was one of the founders of the Diggers, an anarchist improv group. In the hate Ashbury district, where he got the coyote name. Yeah, no, he's yeah in, the, in San Francisco in the mid sixties. It was an improv group. Uh, yep, there's definitely. a section of his uh, discovering Zen. Yeah, <laughs> he was the voice of the Oscars for a second there. They called him the voice of the Oscars. He was sitting on stage. Remember that? Mm-hmm. He alive, by the way. Yeah, he's, he, he, yeah, he's alive. He's alive. Let's get him on the show. Let's yeah, do an interview. Call him up right now. Yeah. Nah, you got people. <laughs> you Let's call him right now, Peter Coyote. Wait, what, you guys, what are you guys talking about? We're watching oh. Collateral. This collateral. collateral. Oh, You're not right, in this, right, are you? Right, right. <laughs> he was in the Comey rule recently as far as he's things like, he did. He's like, no, but I like Collateral. Yeah, Michael Mann, old friend of mine. We tried to collaborate once or twice, but it never worked out. I was going to be Howard Cosell. Yeah, it's going to be Howard Cosell. <laughs> <laughs> this club scene's the only scene shot in 35mm. Uh, oh, everything really? else is digital. This is the one scene they shot in 30 because I imagine it's just the way it looked. Right. No one can shoot a, a shootout at a club like this better than Michael Mann. That's for sure. The stance that Tom Cruise takes. Oh yeah. <laughs> what I, what yeah. I like about this is that it's it's very chaotic. Yet I'm never lost. Like this is a very chaotic yeah. scene when he gets into action. Mm-hmm. But like I'm still like the geography is very clear to me, which is impressive for a scene like this. That so Ruffalo part feels digital, but it's not. Yeah, but man, knows what he's doing. Speaking of the born supremacy, you got like Moby's uh, one of his songs playing in, the, in this club scene, a remix. Mm. What's Moby up to? Is he waiting for the call uh, to do it? To, to, he got some bad stuff with uh, like Natalie Portman, like trying to clean oh, yeah, that old thing. He's like, <laughs> I groomed her myself, damn it. I'm claiming that because she's that's, like, that's, we said hi at a party once. Oh, so so he's not going to get invited to do another version of Extreme Ways? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Remember when every song from that play album was licensed? Every single one was licensed to something. He was yeah. everything. Like, he did the Mission Impossible. Like, he did. Yeah, yeah he did a lot of. Like, we couldn't get enough of Moby. 
And then they did. Yep. And he was gone. No, he's still making it. He's still got an album every other year. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he does some background studio work all the time. Like I Oh yeah, he he knocked he knocked the shit out of some themes on one of the CSI spin-offs. Did he do like a bond, like an alternate bond theme for one of them? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He on uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. Your favorite. Um I like how Tom Cruise gets like more aggressive the closer he like I get why, but it's just like he just gets so much like he's yeah. he like juices himself up to be like, all right, get into character. Yeah, totally <laughs> like gets super angry now. <laughs> ah, he says as he shoots. Well, <laughs> and you know, we're near the end of the film, so this is sort of the scene where we get to see full Vincent. Yeah, this is that the, makes sense. Him at his most vicious for sure. Yeah. This is me at my most well, like it's it's crazy that he's, he goes through this, but like people are gonna like identify this guy, like like he's where's he, he go, where's he going after this? Like well, you dye his hair, grow a beard. I yeah. mean, to be fair, in this scene, like he kills the guy that he's in the cab before foxes, like he's out of the yeah. club before foxes, so he's he yeah. knows what he's doing. Yeah, if you just killed all five of these people and you couldn't prove it would look suspicious, but yeah. that would be it. The case I would guess. be. I like it's how like this scene of we everybody. looked at this wrong because like everyone's in the right here, but they're like, no, he saw the gun. He thinks it's going after him, and he's not. It's such like a if we just stopped and talked. Oh. I like that Bruce McGill also like he he doesn't die. He just gets shot in the leg and is like, well, that's me. I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying down. Just that look of like, ah, this didn't go the way I wanted. I didn't realize he had such a big part in this person, Miguel. He almost would have got an action yeah, he, figure. He takes a chunk of the second act, yeah. Action figure series. Yeah, when they come out with the Tom McFarland sculptures for collateral, I hope Bruce McGill's a part of the package. He'll be in wave I want, two. Yeah, I, want, I want him laying down <laughs> holding his shot. He'll his be wound. in wave two with Peter Berg and uh, Jason Stake. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like this is it right here. Like this is the end of it. He's like, mm-hmm. ah, damn. Shouldn't have got shot. <laughs> Why to wear my vest on my chest and not my leg? And then there's this weird move coming where Tom Cruise gets like hassled by like three guys and he like they're like all holding his hand to stop his gun and he somehow like wiggles himself out. It's it's crazy like what he's doing. <laughs> uh, now they know who he is. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not good. He's pissed at Jamie. Yeah, he's pissed, but he won't kill him. Not yet. <laughs> well, he doesn't want to have to explain himself to another cabbie. I think there's more to it. We're not saying there's not more to it. I still think just the end result is dead. Like that's that that's the difference we have here. I guess right here where you like they all yeah, three of them are holding this guy's arms. Right, you've seen him more recently than me, but I remember that being the thing I remembered most was this weird motivation of the cruise character. Look at that's the juice of this movie. That's yeah. I'm not, we're not de- we're not denying that there's not something more. He's there. a sociopath, <laughs> obviously, but as far as he's concerned, he. You know, he and this cab driver are just both doing their jobs, right? Boom, right. Ah, oh, knife. Yeah, right there. Like, he, like, he's wormed his way out of three people holding his arms, and now he's, yeah, murdering people. And then this rolls cool. He does this thing. Well, the baton swings, like, those Hear are that. calculated. Yeah, on the ground, just. Yeah. I can't see Crow doing this stuff. He was already getting a little big, wasn't he, at this point? I mean, the, the way before, no, he's just he's did Silverella, man. He's like the best shape of his life during this movie. I, guess, I mean, he's not. Yeah, I guess you're right. You know, so it, you can see it. There's something to like the way Tom Cruise is aiming, shooting. That it's like you know he's on target, like without yeah. even yeah, seeing exactly. where it goes. Like, well, it's, it is, it's stereotypically determined Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. no one, not many people, 
not many else can like pull that off. Like, yes. it's, yeah, I, like, I doubt Tom Cruise even like shoots done. guns for fun. Like, and he's like, like <laughs> yeah, he an did. extreme marksman. Yeah, he did multiple months of gun training for this movie, obviously. Here, Mark Ruffalo gets just shot yeah, dead. Yeah. Uh, it's insane. Like, and it's the only one that's like sloppy because he's the, like the whole thing of Cruz's Vincent is that he does the you know two in the chest, one in the head. Yeah. It's very, very all the time, always, which is what's going to fuck him up at the end of the movie. Well, and how but, kind he is to JB Fox. You're like, oh, come on, bud, let's get in the car. Yeah, this, wasn't, <laughs> that, yeah, wasn't that wild? That was crazy, right? Like, that's <laughs> the whole reaction he has in Fox right there when he crashes the cab. Yeah. That's the. That was the thing that man told him like right before the shot. He's like, go like kind of sideswipe the car. And he like does it like way too much. Get <laughs> him like fucks up the cab like really badly. Like Tom Cruise, like, you almost got away there, didn't you, bud? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> See that cop that was gonna save you? Wow. Yeah, he just murders him. He's, he's just gone now. Yeah. And there's no fanfare. We don't see Mark Ruffalo. Uh, we don't see his nope. body at all. He's just dropped. No wide <laughs> shot. He gets killed in. Yeah. I mean, he could have a vest on. I don't know. He's dead. He's dead. Brandon. Collateral two. You never know what this guy with his sequel. Collat two. <laughs> Collateral two. two roll. Mark Mark Collat two roll. Yep. The story of Mark Ruffalo before Collateral. Somebody's pulling the body bag in. They're like, wait, he's still breathing. Tom Cruise gets out. Yeah. Five more names. <laughs> I mean, this time it'll be Timothy Chalamet. He is dead. He's a zombie, though. He's, going, he's, going, he's a grim reaper. That's his must, job in hell. Must find a new cab driver. What is this Uber? Scott's upset because he knows the studios are listening and they'll take these ideas and actually grab them. Collateral two and three. We just gave two and three. Yeah. Collateral two Uber, collateral three Lyft. <laughs> Boy, that sounds fun. <coughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, I'm surprised someone had their pitch. They got someone's going to be pitching collateral but Lyft or collateral but Uber, you know? I'm sure. There's probably already some it's straight be a to video episode streaming miniseries that oh, no those, one's gonna those, watch. Those scripts for sure exist. Like that with, uh, they exist. There's probably a there series are, on some thing we don't watch that already did it. Yeah, see, there are there are a number of movies that are set on lifts or Ubers involving sociopaths. Not this specifically kind of like an assassin, but yes, there are movies. Was there that like are. a Netflix movie last year that was like collateral with vampires? Yes. Um hmm. Wow. Well, it, collateral is a stretch, but yeah, it was, yes, it was yeah. essentially, yeah. Uh, what's it called, too? It's like Night Teeth, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it's called, Night Teeth. Okay. Obviously, I did not watch it, but I'm told it was terrible. Night Teeth. It's with um, the kid that's like the co star in Bumblebee who pops up. He's an Alita, also. Um, mm. And I like, yeah, a number of vampires. <laughs> Jamie Foxx is very despondent while Cruz is like having the time of his life right now. His adrenaline's he's, rushing. Yeah. He's like super, super jazzed about the whole club scenario he just got out of. We've probably talked about that because we talked about Manhunter before when we did our Hannibal Lecter series. But I guess what's your what is your favorite Michael Mann movie? Is it The Insider? Heat. Yeah, it's Heat. Yeah, uh, Scott. I know yours is Insider for sure. Right? Yeah, but I like all. I mean, everything from Manhunter on is pretty great. Oh, Thief rules. Yeah, yeah, Thief's awesome. Oh, Thief is great too. I'm just thinking of the Keep. The Keep. It's a weird movie. 
Once it gets its arrow special edition, whenever that happens, we'll be sure to. As long as he's alive, he won't let that happen. He hates that movie. <laughs> it's an odd one. Yeah, it's just get... that. That's the one that seems just out of his elements. I mean, that's like I don't know what's going on. It's like his Dune or something. It's a weird. Yeah. Somebody put it. Out. I'm sure in the you know Impulse or somebody will put out a, a Blu-ray of it, but companies well he also remember he's an uncredited uh writer on straight time which is an awesome oh is he awesome movie yeah which when i watched i was like man this feels like proto like michael mann thief like type thing and then and i found out he did uncredited writing on that so he was hashing out some ideas for a later film What's your favorite man film? Gosh, it's hard. Um, the one I've seen my probably the most is Manhunter, but um Strong as I am. Yes. Uh, I like yeah, Heat and Thief a lot. Um if it's not Manhunter, it's probably one of those two. But you know, public enemies enemies above all. Well, that one's yeah. Aaron I did. You? I did like. I did like Miami Vice from day. Scott when I went and saw it at a Dollar Theater, and we were like, "That was really good." good. Miami Vice is terrific. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you've said this before, but it's a, it's a situation where like the critical consensus seemed to forget that the original show was not campy, and yeah. it wasn't. You know, just because they had pastels and music choices that were groovy does not mean it was fucking. You know, Adam West's Batman. Right. Exactly. He just made a continuation of Miami Vice, and everybody was like, yeah. "Oh, this is gonna be a reboot or a fresh or a, you know, some sort of take." And and that's it, it wasn't full of like references and all sorts. It was just <laughs> the next chapter of Miami Vice. And that's the thing that kind of got not that, but the the fact that it was just like two long episodes of Miami Vice. That's what threw me off at first when I first saw it. When I revisited, it's like, okay, I get the vibe that this is going for. And it's not like I didn't recognize like how much man stuff was in it the first time as far as just the look of it and like the way they're acting, specifically Colin Farrell, who's just even though he was what, like coked out of his mind during that movie, he's still like giving a good performance. No, he's really good. Yeah, Yeah. It's like his dream. He obviously cast up from Dom Johnson to Phil Michael uh, Thomas to get Jimmy Fox and Colin Farrell. That's a dream casting for him. He for him, you know, and I remember he had a a great mustache in that movie, too. And I remember not that mustache, man. Not that he didn't necessarily deserve it at the time, but like Fox is riding pretty high as far as like, I just won an Academy Award. I should be first billed. I remember that was a big thing yeah. going oh, on he, as far as Fox the- mugs all through that movie. It works, but he he mugs. He somewhat has to like, as yeah. far as what the movie is. Like, well, yeah, because Farrell's not really mugging. Um, but that trailer park shootout is awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. Shootout, but yeah, I, don't give a, I don't give a damn what people say. Like, that's three star <laughs> movie right there because of that sequence. Three stars, my it, it's so no, that's, no, at no, least you, at least you start at three stars because yeah. that exists. I like when he grabs uh, well, I'm sorry, what's the name of the actress? The the, the Harris? oh, oh, uh, what's her name? Gong um, Lee, Lee Gong, Gong Lee, Lee, yeah, grabs her to jump in a boat and drive to Havana, like without even saying a word to each other. It's mm-hmm. yeah. romantic, you know? <laughs> oh, by the way, the theatrical cut of that does exist on Blu ray if you buy the uh, Miami Vice Kingdom double feature disc that has oh, the theatrical cut of Miami Vice. Well, I, I like the case. The one in the theater started with the boats. Is that right? In the, the theater, the, 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 the theater's the club. 
Which and is awesome. The it's way it's a opens. great intro. The theatrical cut yeah. starts with the big boat chase thing that costs probably a lot of money, and they're like, "We should cut that." Um, but also, it's a lesser version of the movie, so I don't know. If it's yeah, the theater the, in the club is you dive right it's into this great, world like a great. It sets up the, oh yeah, it sets up the tone, the style, like everything yeah. there. It's good. I love when Tom Cruise scurries off after the like when the like it what this whole when he crashes the cab and Cruise is pissed off and he starts like kicking and trying to punch Jamie Foxx and then the carps come and he just like scurries off into the night like a little vampire <laughs> just really funny. yes and I like that there's just enough breathing room right here where Fox is like okay good we're out of this we're done this is the the scenario is over now it's like, oh no, that's right. Jada, Jada Pinkett was introduced to this movie for a reason. <laughs> Got to get, get it back, back into the plot. I don't know how he ended up downtown. By the way, that like the, the he was he was in El he was at a club. Then he was somehow in El Segundo. Now he's in downtown LA. Like I don't like I don't know how fast he was driving that cab, but um, it's just, it's a lot. But the whole movie took place in El Segundo. What? Sorry. I'm just wondering when he was in El Segundo, and then I thought because they're right because they're by LAX, so like they're in El Segundo right, yeah, for a little while. Because <laughs> that's how they like lose the helicopters because they go like under LAX for a bit or something. It's probably a lot of driving around time we don't see. We just have to sort of assume. I get it. If it's in, driving in circles, yeah. doing zigzag, miss the exit. Oh, hold on, hold on. But again, but this is just—it's not a you know. It's an LA movie, Happen but not the way an LA movie where you watch to be like, oh, look at all these, look at this realistic depiction of geography we're seeing. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's just like okay. Well, most of the most of the neon signs are out of focus, so you don't quite get a sense of where they are. I like that. If New Yorkers could pride themselves on being like, this is how the subway works, we could talk about an LA movie that's a little offbeat as far as the geography goes. Well, falling down is the king of that. Oh yeah. He, he, I've seen them. Someone on the line drew like a map once of falling down, and just it makes like no sense, yeah. like what it is. It'd be impossible and illogical to go in that route. Like he would have been home. <laughs> yeah, right. Fox hits his running into this. I like this eight dollars for flat rate parking. That's a bargain, Jesus. <laughs> when he takes the guy's ball. phone and then pulls the gun out of the guy, like just completely falls on the ground. Yeah. It's like, okay, take it. <laughs> I remember Ebert and Roper talked about this. Like, and I showed this like a clip here where when he gets on top of like the parking structure, um, he's talking to Jada Pickett on the phone and like cruises in the building. Uh, that's like it's such a that's the most like Hitchcock this movie gets when you're when Jamie Foxx is in the foreground and you have literally the plot happening behind him in a building. And because it did the magic of digital cameras, you can actually show the building in that in that yeah. way. I like that he anyway. stays schlubby the whole movie, Jamie Foxx. Oh, yeah. Doesn't turn an action star. Sweatshirt is always, always falling off his shoulder, you know. Nice. That's why, like, I I know, like, a general criticism of this movie is that it becomes an action movie the third act. It's like, I, it doesn't betray anything that... I mean... That's so? happened. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. Like, what do you what what's what do you what's the other outcome of this movie? I mean, but like, and... the club sequence happens when there's like a half hour left in the movie. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. sorry for giving you 80, you know, 70 minutes of just or 75 minutes of just rock solid character work and thrills and chills. And it, it gives you a finale that has some action. It'd be yeah. like criticizing North by Northwest for like, how come they have to chase each other so much at the end? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what, what like, like, wait a minute, bullets going to have another action scene. We already had the car chase. You, you have a body falling on top of a, a cab. You have the guy getting shot straight up in the head. You have uh, in the jazz club, you have him chasing Jamie Foxx across that Brit. Like those are action sequences. They don't, you know, and then you have one in the club with the shootout, but that's not the end of the movie. That's the turn into act three. I think the, the complaint is like, it's an action movie and like Tom Cruise becomes the Terminator, but it's like, that's his character. Like, yeah. like yeah. the point of him is that he's a machine. Like he, he just, he does a mission that he's like, like he already was the Terminator. Like, yeah, see, this is where I think, like, the, if there was a point where he was not going to kill Jamie Foxx, that's gone now. Like, I think yeah. at, this, at this point, the only solution of this is he has to kill anybody involved. That's where he is. It's that he didn't shoot him after he crashed the car. Is, is... He didn't have his gun. He couldn't reach it. He was trying to kick him and punch him and stuff. Yeah, but that's it's like a brotherly kicking and punching. Like, why did you do that? I think when he once he enters the building to save Jada Pinkett, that's his like I'm gonna kill Jamie Fox. I love yeah, the, ang- the angles on the outside of the building during this. Oh one. yeah, you can see. Oh, they're creepy. Mm-hmm. They they work so effectively. All this stuff showing him, Vincent like slowly figuring out how to get to Jada Pinkett's mm-hmm. character. This is just really great stuff. It's stuff kids wouldn't notice nowadays because they'd be checking their phones, right? That's what I'm supposed to say as an old man right now. You're just checking their. Phones. Well, the the whole building would be green screen, so it wouldn't look as cool either. Right, we green screened. He'd be like. <laughs> Huh, look at the phone. I bet it's on floor three. <laughs> what is this? A telephone. It looks like someone's on the line. Yeah, for someone who's who's never been that much of a stickler for seeing things in the theater, you definitely see images like this of the guy walking around an office space. Your eye isn't invited to search the frame as much as it would be if it's a big screen in front of you, you know? All right. This is great. Just the rack focus yeah, right there. Like oh. that's so good. <laughs> Come to find out, it wasn't even Jamie Foxx. It was just some guy in the parking lot, and man thought, hey, that would look cool. <laughs> it would match. This always catches that thing that this catches very well. That thing if you're driving home on Sunday night. Through, through LA and there's so many lights that are on up in those buildings like mm-hmm. random yeah. patterns yeah why is that they yeah, leave their lights on it's still working all weekend like what's going on I always sure. think it's probably Janet Pinkett and Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise trying to kill them and... or it's a bunch of janitors reenacting scenes of collateral yes exactly <laughs> the things that they want to do it's like it's like those buildings when you're going from like if you're like the the valley cross it over into like Hollywood where you go through Studio City and there's like an office park where it's like Sunday it's yeah. all dead except for that yeah. couple lit lights on a building that's like exactly where I feel like they're at I think you left your light on and went home for the weekend is what happened with those yeah. lights maybe I'm wrong I feel like Pinkett could get out of the situation pretty easily, having a you know direct line to Jamie Foxx. Like, just go one floor down. Oh, get get out of there. Then we don't have a movie, Aaron. I know. <laughs> that's like the most impossible situation to get why, out. Of. Why don't you submit to Cinema Sins? They'll like your answer. It's like that's that's a, that's a whole ass building. Like Tom Cruise can't just find it. <laughs> Jamie Foxx probably can't run his ass up there fast enough either. Like if he. 
he knows the, the one floor that she's supposedly on. You just go one floor down. You'd be safe. And and this this whole thing's gonna take out the whole building. This one little. It's a big axe. Yeah. <laughs> like that matters. <laughs> <laughs> We know it's not a small axe because Peter Paris has seen this movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you cast something like Jada Pinkett, and like you can believe, you think, yeah, no nonsense. She's going to believe him immediately and not being like dancing around, like, are you sure there's a hitman coming after me? This is not a line. No, there's a con- Jada brings a kind of confidence to just her presence that mm-hmm. you don't have to, you don't think she's going to be freaking out. You don't think she's going to be questioning. Well, that's, that's why it's smart to make her, you know, a prosecutor as opposed to like, right. you know, random person. Personality matches. Person on the jury. Oh, you murdered the fuck out of that guy. The, the, he got his gun. That's why he's got a gun. Rural <laughs> juror. Oh, yeah. See? Details. But today's they'd be like, oh, he's missed. He took his gun. I talk to myself when I go through these things <laughs> in case you're not looking at the screen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's gone. Oh no. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, I could take his gun. Oh, he already took it. <laughs> and Pete, Pete and is my favorite man, by the way. I don't think I said it, but uh, he's my, like, it's not like there's not great ones that are just sitting right there next to it, but it's, it's got Pete, a great Pete, ass. Yeah. I'm with you. That's great, by the way, when he, you know, yes, he tries no, the, the heroic, it you know, doesn't quite work. Doesn't it's, work. It's a great bit of laughter when you're all tensed up. And the way he fires it good. And it, yeah, the safety's on. So he doesn't have that right. oh, yep. And then he's, pull, he's doing his John Wick impression right here. Yep. He pulls the sweatshirt over his face. He looks like a like grandfather. Like, oh, what's the Okay. He looks like a guy that's never held a gun in his life. Right. <laughs> and he doesn't, he knows it's going to kick back too. So he's like, all right, whatever. This is great cruise stuff. Like this silent stuff he's oh, doing he's a shark. is really effective. He is swimming. And, you know, in light of ongoing discourse, this scene is pitch black, uh-huh. shrouded in darkness, shot on digital, and yet I can still see everything that I need to see that's happening. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. It look, it's a good looking movie, mm-hmm. regardless of the supposed limitations it might have against him. And it is not even hyper stylized. It feels like he's created some sort of hyper stylization. It's it's insane. Yep. Well, it's not. It's it's dark because the scene calls for being dark, not for trying to be cheap <laughs> and hide things that you can't afford digitally. Yeah, there's not an Emirate Godzilla hiding in the shadows. <laughs> I hesitate to mention this, but um, as far as our next commentary goes, Godzilla ninety eight does turn. Um, <laughs> it does turn twenty five this year. But silver wouldn't be my choice. But it, I'm not saying it's ours. I just I'm, I was looking up things that we could possibly do. We'll talk about it later. But um, so I noticed that it's twenty five. It's like, uh, <laughs> is it time? Is it time? What what bothers me is that's a fucking long movie. <laughs> I guess it's, it's really, not sure. yeah. <sighs> I don't. I've. I don't own that one on 4K. No, none of you bought it for me for 4K, so I don't either. <laughs> that was mercy. We like, we like to get you it. nice things. Yeah, fair enough. 
He should have probably shot her. Yeah. There you go. Is your chance. I do like his general puzzlement. It's like, Mike, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> the instant shot. Like, oh, you weren't going to, you know, this is. <laughs> yeah. Audience clapped when I saw this movie at that moment. Like, he shot him in the face. Usually they're dead. <laughs> that's, that's, that's generally the result of that. Here we go. Hit the button. Drop and then immediate laugh. Trips which, on the chair. Immediate laugh, which was which was not intended, but man liked it. Obviously, <laughs> it, it's good. No, it feels like. I always that. say, I love when they keep stuff like that in. Yep. Perfectly human. I love yeah. this when he throws the chair because then he slips on it. Like well, it's so. It's such a cool like yeah, and then well, like oh, it, falls it's, down. A, <laughs> it's a nice clue in of Jamie Fox has a chance. He's really yeah, done yeah. something. Like yeah, it's a nice subtle. Yeah, the chick in the armor. Literally, because he blew a piece of his face yep. off. <laughs> Drop the, the needle. Fact that Jimmy, yeah, the shot, I mean, he's do, wrong about do, him. Do, 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 Not do, impervious. Do, 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 do. I need a hero. He could use that song. Yes, yep, for sure. You could throw right, it right, yeah, right here. Right here. Yeah, this would be where you shake it in. Yeah. And he's got to be strong. And he's got to be got to be fresh from the fire. Well, no, you know what? When he's going up the elevator, and you but you cut back from it every time, so it's like it's silence with the Tom Cruise. Cuts the elevator. And it's I need a hero's playing on the soundtrack. We get a lot of these chases. We talked about this with Seven, where Seven's like one of the ultimate movie chases because we have no idea where people should be going and it believably understands mm-hmm. that Brad Pitt's like, I guess I'll go this way. Like, yeah. this is a movie yeah. that does that well. Uh, as far as like Tom Cruise is sussing out the right way to go, but barely. <laughs> like this, especially where he has to like choose which subway he's going to get on. That's good. That's good stuff. And I get why the editing nomination comes in. There's a lot of good editing going on, obviously. It's a man movie. Of course, it's well edited, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right here. Right, right. Oh, subway on top, subway on bottom. Also, a movie that reminds you that LA has a subway system. It does. <laughs> have we done all the have we done all the LA subway movies? Speed, this, what other ones? Uh oh. Doesn't have it has a a subway system that could be so much better too. That's a <laughs> there's only one spot where this is. Um, as I remember from my public transportation days, but it's where there's a fork in the subway thing where it's like this is it. This is where we go all over town. But on Seventh Street. Uh... So- it's something like that, and it doesn't go. But it goes like two more stops after that fork on one side, and then the rest of the other goes just straight downtown to the station. This has got to be Cruz, right? With the stunt, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's got to be him, right? He's he's had to be. He, he, he probably insisted, right? Michael Mann's like, we'll get a guy. He's like, no, this is. I, I signed on to the movie because of this. <laughs> <laughs> he's going full Turner. <laughs> Must really suck to think he got away and be like, oh fuck, he's got the subway too. <laughs> this guy's unstoppable. By the way, the subway in LA is not this clean. Not anymore. <laughs> and yeah. This is Tom Cruise. This more looks like a, those are like bus seats. They're not subway seats. I mean, they're on the subway. <laughs> yeah, but I think the seats are like just on the side, like. 
This is a Michael Mann picture, Brandon. Right. If you want seats to look that way, right. you don't have to I, seats to look that way. Whatever this the set does calls for. Here's more good Hitchcock stuff. It's like the we could leave, but we can't. It's right there. But he's standing. Oh no, he got off the subway too. Yeah, earpiece in looks like the the way the blood is. It looks like it's... I always think that too. Yeah, like yeah. just the way it's There's the way he's messed up. Somebody's been telling him what to do the whole time. He's like Zeb from Saw. I didn't <laughs> want to hurt anybody. It's the rules. Same year. So <laughs> early hints. Is Saw set somewhere? Did we ask this before? Where's Saw set? Is that in a city? Nope. nope. It's, it's just like generic oh, city, it's, right? It's seven. Like there's an indeterminate okay. city. It's just the city. Yeah. James Wan's garage. I think it's set in Maui. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know the warehouse, the exterior of the warehouse is in Burbank. We need more gritty crop jobs I, I that just happen to be set in Los Angeles in Hawaii. I, yeah. <laughs> when I did the the short film, I was in that bridges two and three. Like we went to the actual set from the outside of Saw Two, mm-hmm. and it was it was in Burbank. Here's the whole deal where they shoot at each other, and because Tom Cruise is so dead set on his thing, he shoots two two in the center, one in the head, and it mm-hmm. misses because it hits the door. And Jamie Foxx is like, fucking shoots everywhere. Guys, they hit him. I like that look of defeat that he has where he just drops the clip. He's like, eh, got me. I just wanted you to like me. I guess we're done. <laughs> That's a good death. Like, he's like, just the, this, this processing of like, ah, what a, all right. I'm guessing it's King of New York. Yeah, all right. Yeah. It's been a while, but I think that's similar to how walking goes out. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, that it is. I, I watched that during the pandemic. It's pretty pretty similar. During the pandemic that ended and we all celebrated. And we had that, <laughs> that big that big parade that's a pandemic over. No more pandemic. Oh, you know, there's a shot. <laughs> You can't see any new revelations now that you've seen the end of this again. I mean, it's 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 by any standard, it's a pretty great movie. I just would be in my top three or four mans. What about as far as like Cruz's whole deal here? As far as yeah, he's a sociopath, but he does. I think the fact that he didn't shoot him at, or he didn't kill him after the car thing, and even doesn't, and the fact that he lets him shoot him first, doubt, doubting that he'll shoot him at all, really means he didn't want to shoot him for some reason. We'll never know. Once he runs away from the cab, he's going for Jada Pinkett. There's a, you could, you could, su- su- there's a suggestion that he probably wouldn't come back after Jamie Foxx. Right, but when he when 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 Jamie Foxx pulls the gun on him and Cruz goes, well, "What are you going to do anyway?" It's almost this other level of a movie where it's about. Yeah, no, I agree. But I mean, presume he presumed Jamie Foxx like Max doesn't go into the building and he's right. just out in the free world. You could I could I guess I could believe that Cruz probably wouldn't like try to find him after he kills. Well, no, because the incident, at the nightclub kind of busted the 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 mirage that he's trying to create. Yeah. Javier Bardem is going to be looking for every, him already. everyone knows that it's, you know, Tom Cruise as the hitman that did all this shit. Mm hmm. And it's not going to be some random cab driver with a with a hole in his head taking the bait. 
or taking the blame. That's how the one gang henchman yeah. will describe is like, yeah, I saw Vincent. He looks like Tom Cruise. <laughs> Just gray hair. It's weird. <laughs> you know, in today's climate, there would have been a twist where Jamie Foxx wound up. He was the guy that hired Tom Cruise and he was just making sure he did everything. <sighs> Excuse me. A lot of good use of music at the end of this, too. We're not, we obviously can't hear it, but mm-hmm. it's making a shot. And this mirrors the beginning. The, the ending of this movie mirrors the beginning of, of Heat as far as the use of the, the prequel. Oh, yeah. You're right. The trains driving away. Coming yeah. in. Leaving the station, coming to the station. Sort of LA as this giant mechanical thing mm-hmm. that's like a clock moving silently at night. All these, this poor dead guy. And well, I guess that poor he's an asshole, but we're how long before someone discovers this guy dressed in a suit with silver hair dead on the mm-hmm. train. Goes through his pockets. The real class. This is one of those movies that had no title at the beginning. No title you know, at the beginning? Oh. We don't see the title till here in the credits. Nope, oh, this was it. collateral. Christopher Nolan <laughs> Chuck Russell, Frank Darabont. Look at that. The, the Elm Street team. Back, back at it. Oh, they both get credited. This was because Paul Cameron got fired. But okay, they both got credit though. That's a that's a union thing, I'm sure. Why am I getting a next up Halloween ends? I'm watching this on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) The the natural, the natural next movie. (laughs) I'm trying because this is the summers where I was doubling up every day. I was always seeing two movies at the same time. Trying to think what else I would have saw. I'm looking at the top ten right now. It's Collateral, Village, Supremacy, Candidate, Little Black Book, I Robot, Spider Man Two, Harold Kumar, Shark Tale. When did that come out? Shark Tale well, was October with uh, yeah, that's that's ladder eighty ladder forty nine. Yeah, well, but iRobot's already that, that's already big Willy weekend, so you don't you can't have two big Willy weekends in one weekend. Oh that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's too much Willy. Um, I probably if anything, I probably saw Supremacy again after I saw Collateral. This is the Van Helsing summer. Okay, that's like the action day. Because like a week later is AVP, which I definitely saw of opening weekend. Because of who, who yep. wouldn't? <laughs> Me too. I, I couldn't. <laughs> it wasn't playing where I was at. Really? You, they, they ran it on the coast initially just to get like Oscar buzz. And then well, they... the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> no, the theaters in my area were like having a beef with Fox and not showing their oh, movies. That yeah. makes sense. So I'm trying to think if I because I, I I know I saw Open Water at some point, and I'm trying to think. I think I saw AVP. Then we jumped to Open Water afterwards. I mean, well, did you have time for Little Black Book? I didn't see Little Black. I still haven't seen Little Black. But How many so. times? Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement. I know that came out, but yeah, I didn't see Skeleton that. Skeleton Key, when did that come out? That's later. That's ma- the same. Era. Skeleton Key, I think. Isn't that like April? Is that like early? Well, Which one? Many- Skeleton Key. Oh, uh, that was 2005 because I saw oh, it a year later. I was okay. In California already. How the number many? 23. Um, that's him carrying. No, that's later. That, I mean, that's way later. That point, that's like 2007 or. <laughs> How many times did you see Chronicles of Riddick? Only the ones because I was massively. I was so hyped for Chronicles of Riddick because I'm like, Pitch Black rocks. Now he's doing his own thing. Great. Let's see what PG 13. I don't mind. I'm not that. I'm not lame. I can deal with that. And then like watching the movies, like, oh boy. There was a lot of movie there. Like I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I it's didn't not, actually uh, sit and watch it until Blood, Bloodshot was about to come out. No, okay. That's what no. kicked you over to do you it. Took your, well, did, right. did, had you seen Riddick? 
Uh, no, actually, oh. I never got around to seeing the third one. Oh, well, oh without a paddle. It gets things back. On I watched track. that on an airplane. That was yeah. Without, without a paddle, paddle that's was, a, yeah. I saw that in theaters. I was like, "Where are the laughs?" There was one laugh at the beginning <laughs> when Seth Green was driving to uh, Clay Aiken, and it was over. <laughs> oh, that came out the same. Oh, the beginning. That's I a movie. definitely definitely saw both of those at the same time. I saw. I I'm like sure that I could. What a weekend! Exorcist, and then jumped to Without a Paddle afterwards. I guarantee that's what happened. I'm not scared, and I don't want to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, Exorcist beginning gory as fuck <laughs> in a way that I did appreciate. And the Paul Schrader version that I only recently saw for the first time, not bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Yeah, and they shot that one, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Open Water expands that weekend with Exorcist, okay. so it's pro- it probably was limited enough where I still was able to see it with AVP the week before. King Arthur. This is quite the summer, guys. Anchorman, Anchorman. I saw King Arthur and Anchorman back to back with my dad in Pennsylvania. Okay. We had gone to the Cari- we had gone to the Caribbean and we are on a layover, and so we just went to the movies and saw King Arthur, and then we jumped to Anchorman. So we had a much better time with Anchorman. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see King Arthur in the theater, but I heard it because in my Anchorman screening at the crappy theater we at, you could you couldn't hear because of freaking King Arthur blaring next door. Like you, you could hear it, but you could. You're way too much King Arthur. It's a I've never seen the director's cut of King Arthur, but fixes I, I'm, everything. Better. Fixes I'm, everything. Everything. All, everything. Your, problems. <laughs> All your problems. It becomes an A minus cinema score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really should have released it's, that cut. It's the kingdom of heaven of King Arthur movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the roadshow version is my favorite, though. Yep. Okay, Arthur. Anton Fuqua just driving it around with Orlando Bloom. <laughs> not, uh, what's uh, Yoan, Yoan Gruffith? <laughs> yep, it's got a intermission you can leave at. It's great. For <laughs> come back, you don't have to watch the whole movie. It's awesome. <laughs> just, oh, we're done here. <laughs> That was a weird year because it's like we have Troy come out and it's like, what if we got rid of the gods? And then King Arthur's like, what if we have like magic, but not really? It was like, what are we doing with the fables, guys? Let's be a little consistent. I was like, yeah, I was like, wow, like Guinevere Battle Warriors, what they should have called it. Like, like they could have sold it on like that rather than just King Arthur. Different time. We needed Clive Owen as King Arthur. Right. Manliest of men. Yep. <laughs> I recall Ray Winstone as Boars was pretty fun, though. He, he was having a good time in that movie. It was a, trio, like Stella, a trio in that, that movie, right? It was it was Owen, Knightley, and who else did they sell on that Yo, one? Y- Mr. Fantastic, Yoan Griffith. Oh, was oh, it yeah. oh, God. He was, he was Lancelot, yes. Oh, yeah, he was yeah. supposed to be a thing. Captain Charisma. Oh, I'm going to buy a French one. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> you still have the gray shrieks in his hair? Or <laughs> yeah, I know that guy. That's Yoan Grafud. Puts mild, puts mild sauce on everything. He's getting salsa. He's getting salsa. I like hey. this Horatio Hornblower. Like he was hey, you there. saw San Andreas. He threw some poor bastard off a bridge. Come That's on right. now. <laughs> he's, he's, great. he's great, San Andreas, as Dick Boyfriend or whatever yeah. to Carlo Gugino's character. Assy I just shit, love Ed. that he's such a firebrand of awesomeness that an amazing grace he gets out-virtued by Ruf- Rufus Savelle for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so um let's see may 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 we have uh 
we have some things. As I said, obviously the anniversary of Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. Um, yeah. uh, Rambo three turns like thirty five, I believe. Okay, the one I'm really <laughs> well, considering, honestly, speaking of <laughs> directors, we can't talk about. But I mean, X two turns twenty. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and we've done X one. And X three, we so should our do X two. That movie, our, our, our pattern of doing the middle one last continues for some reason. Yes, when did Hulk turn twenty? Just like now, same uh, June, June, June three. Yeah, but that's obviously reserved for Hollywood homicide. Uh, so uh, let's see, uh, Willow. Homicide. Yes, the world demands. <laughs> Willow Wait, turns that's, that's reserved for what? Hollywood homicide. Oh, right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, the same. Uh, <laughs> it was Hulk weekend. Then Hollywood homicide weekend. It was great for me. Um, <laughs> Soylent. Green turns like what? Fifty. Doctor No turns, I believe, sixty. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, you know, the James Bond people. No, Doctor No turned sixty last year. They promotion with love. When does promotion love love? Which we already yeah. did. That was my first oh, commentary. Right. I, I guess they re-released Doctor No because I was just looking at release dates. I forget. Yeah, it is sixty-two. Yeah. Makes, now that because I'm saying that out loud, people, like, that's not right. The James Bond people did nothing for the sixtieth anniversary, so. <laughs> and it's all me one set. It's a hundred dollars in their hands. I would have just bought a like a. They could have just bought, put a single release of Doctor No out, and I'd have been happy. That would have been enough. You start with the first one and ply. You're going to put them all but out. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. X two seems like a good bet, though. That I think that's probably yeah. what will lead to uh, plenty to talk about all of the um, James Marsden scenes. Uh, but that's going to do it for this uh, month's well, commentary what, for Collateral. Yeah, <laughs> poor James. Uh, so we've yeah we've talked all about the movie it's gone it's over fun times though uh, let's go over what people can find everybody online Brandon Peters let's start with you where can people find more of you all right uh, the Brandon Peters show is the Brandon Peters show dot com we're almost there to the summer of 93 at 30 which everyone on this podcast has something to do with <laughs> on every episode oh wow crazy crazy that's going to be starting very soon but first before that it's gonna I'm gonna have a current era summer movie preview show with uh, uh, frequent guest Sabrina Graves. Uh, we'll play some games. It's going to be fun. So tune into that and that will show up and then have a recap at the end of the summer for what we've done there. Uh, and then uh, Twitter, Instagram at Brandon4KUHD and YSOBlue.com for my Blu-ray and 4K reviews. I like that. Thinking of commentaries for the summer because we've talked about all the 90s movies, it's like we can't do any 90s movies. For the, the, they're the they're all covered. Here. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we've covered, we can't do our free Willy commentary we've been dying to do. Oh, God. Yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, Scott Mendelson, where are we going more of you? Uh, I'm at therap.com and I'm at Twitter, uh, or sorry, I'm on Twitter at Scott Mendelson. And Yancey Burns, anything you'd like to plug? Milky Way Blues, um, Yancey Burns on Facebook, Yancey Jack on Twitter. I'll be uh, doing some tiny little guest spots on Brandon's upcoming 93 series uh, with any luck. And, uh, you know, I'm here with you fine people whenever I get the chance. Right. You find everything I do at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. I write for Leave Entertainment and Wise the Blue, and I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. This podcast can be found anywhere you can find podcasts. Please go on iTunes, though, or Spotify and leave us a rating interview. That'd be wonderful. We're on all the socials and all that. I want to thank Yancey, Scott, and Brandon for joining me for this collateral commentary track. Oh, thank you. Very fun. Uh, that does conclude our I Love LA uh, commentary series. Uh, it's always fun to do these series, though. So I cool. love LA. I look yep. forward to what we think, think of another uh, theme to wrap some commentaries around. because it, it was fun to do. For Summer sure. of Not Your Father's Marvel. There you yeah. go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah. 
Uh, let's see. One last thing for people that stick around at the end of these commentary tracks. Summer Gamble 11's coming, guys. Oh, yeah. It's so hard this year. Summer Movie Gamble 11. I've been averaging finishing in 1.5 place the last two years. Wow. And still the global champion. Still the, <laughs> champion. still the global champion. 1.5 place. <laughs> That's what I get for betting on Jordan Peele. Always coming for you, Hoban. <sighs> always coming for you but yeah that's gonna do it for this commentary track thanks for the listeners for listening uh tune in next month for probably x2 x-men united as far as but listeners do they listen yep i don't i don't ask much of them so you know i'm happy they fulfill the one duty they have yep that's gonna do it here so until next time so long and goodbye thank you for listening the brandon peters show is a creative zombie studios production Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.